Hey, let's start the show. It's February 2nd, 2012. Welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. Groundhog Day. Will Smith, welcome to This Is Only a Test. Uh, how are you doing, Norm? It's the official podcast of Tested.com. It is the official podcast. You know, I, I it's the first time I've messed it up in, what, like three, four months probably? I'm also giving you some feedback. You don't need to rush it when you do the introduction. I know we want to get into the podcast really I'm quickly, excited and ready to go. But for new listeners, you want to give them a warm welcome Should I intro. Should give them a brief introduction about what the site is about? You don't need we to do that. We should luxuriate in technology, Lego. Yeah. Yeah. Take a Long cue, walks in the rain, pina from, coladas. from uh, Terry Gross. I do not want to take any cues from Terry Gross. Even though she's a massive professional success, but she says fresh. I, I understand way. that, but there's a way that she says it every time. Fresh. That's very, so it's very welcoming. So you're saying I, what I need is a signature delivery. That's not a rush delivery. Okay. I think my signature delivery. I don't know if NPR delivery. would ever really be considered the tonal mo- unless you're talking about car talk. I don't like that, those guys. I, that's the one what? I don't like. That's the one show on NPR. Oh, I don't like. come on. That's the most entertaining show on NPR. It is entertaining, but those guys are lunatics. But that's not. what that's what makes it fun, because they're not the soft, uh, whispery, Terry Gross type NPR people. You know what? If they use real names instead of click and clack, I, the could, be, I could be down with it. Yeah, but I, I like ho, ho, ho. Just, yeah. I'm gonna go talk about how boss sometimes it, sometimes it does feel like they're trying a bit too hard to constantly be cracking themselves up yeah. all the time. It's, it's vaude, it's almost vaudevillian. Sometimes. But it is a great. I think it's a great aspirational point for like a good a good combination of information and entertainment. Like they actually mix that stuff. Oh, you learn yeah, stuff yeah. about cars, it's very, but very it's also entertaining. Yeah. yeah, it's only. I mean, those guys really know what when it, when it yes. comes to cars, they know their shit. Oh, they're psychics. Good. I mean, someone could say, you know, I, I heard this click and clack and like this type, type of gear noise and they'll know exactly what the problem is. Well, yeah. the, the thing is they're good diagnosticians, right? So they, you, you say, well, what does the sound sound like? And then somebody – part of that show is funny because they make the people make the sound, right? Right. You know, and then they go, oh, OK. It sounds like it's a trend. But you never know if they're actually right. Well, no, because they, they hang well, up some, the call. Well, sometimes you do because they have callers they, who come back and tell yes. them if they were right once yeah. they took it to a mechanic. I'm not in the car that much on Saturday morning. And I like the out. puzzler. You must enjoy the puzzler. I do like the puzzler. What's the I, puzzler? It's a, it's a, you know, they, they give you a riddle or a puzzle oh, every okay, week okay. to solve. The, the and some of, them are, yeah. some of them are pretty interesting. Yes. If we were going to rip something off from Car Talk, I would rip off the puzzler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's going on this week? Uh, should we jump Ooh, right into man. the news? Let's rip off the best of every NPR show that we like. The Ooh. best part. Ooh. So, so it would be like the puzzler yeah. from Car Talk. Which one of you is going to be Guy Noir? I see. Got you. Rip off Guy Noir from from Prairie Home Companion. Oh, God. That's the best. The model Guy Noir. Model, yes, I can sing. I can probably sing the Powder Milk Biscuit song. Well, okay, maybe we don't need two things from Prairie Home Companion. <laughs> but that's my. But that would be my favorite yeah. thing. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stop this, and we're gonna, and then, gonna restart and then, and then the show because we'll it's Groundhog we'll, Day. We'll, we'll also split the show up into oh, three acts. Actually, maybe Act well, I, one. I would like to start the podcast every week with Will rendition of Tishmingo Blues. That would be a good way to. That would As be a someone good way who does not like, is on the record, is not liking Prairie Open Companion and actually not listening to it. I have no idea what. What do you like about. on NPR? Um, I like uh, Forum. 
I like forum up until the point where they start calling in, where local people start calling in. Right. And then I hate forum. And you like This American Life. I like This American Life. I like Market Watch. I like Kai, Guy Rizdahl. Really? Yeah. Let's do the numbers. I, I think that he is. Oh, God. That is that is the worst. It's so super cheesy radio voice guy. But it, it makes that kind of stuff entertaining. I like, I like on that. the media because that's oh, relevant to, to my interests. And uh, Radio Lab. I, I, I do love, I love Radio Lab. I do love a pro home companion and car talk. I know you guys don't like them. I like, I like the American game Life. shows too. I don't love Sends the ga- I don't love the game shows. On car talk? No, 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 no. they're like wait, wait, don't tell me. I'm good. I don't need that in my life. It's it's a topical. Wait, they have news shows and they have a language language show. Wait, okay, wait. I don't like Talk of the Nation. No, talking to the nation's bad. Sometimes That's- when I listen to NPR, I, I do find I, I'm a very liberal person, but I do find myself listening to NPR. Some kind, oh, this is why some people hate liberals. <laughs> right. Well, the thing is, they think they think they're so superior. Yeah, yeah. There's a, that, that's why I don't like forum. The second half of forum, when they start taking questions, goes completely off the rails. No, it's because it's, it's local stuff, and that's oh. stuff, it's sometimes no, no. It's, it's because it's always some fucking lunatic from Berkeley that makes the Bay Area look like a bunch oh god. No, if you ever Ola Birkenstock, if you, if you ever want, if you ever want to really kind of like delve into the world of like crap. America. Yeah. Listen to any call-in on C-SPAN. Oh, oh I can't my imagine. God. Collins? Oh, they have call I don't know why they still do them because it's it's a crank. It's a freak show every single time. Oh. I used to call into C-SPAN all the time, dude. Did you really? No. I'm just this might explain it. <laughs> uh, the other thing I love on radio is I love Art Bell. I love the old Art Bell shows. That I, oh, I don't the think UFO he does guy? it anymore, does he? The Coast to Coast? He doesn't, but you know who is terrific? Although you have to have a subscription because it's on Sirius is this guy Riley Martin. Okay. Who's one of the characters that Howard Stern has on his channels? Oh, okay. And this is a guy who who believes that he was abducted he's by probed. aliens. So and, he's Randy Quaid from Independence. Yes, and that they're coming back, and that only he speaks their language and he understands their various symbols and and knows all about these different alien races. And he does it completely straight. Now, but all the callers are basically Howard Stern people just calling to to wind him up. So oh. does it? Like, do you think it's performance art, or do you think he really believes it? It's that, that's what that's a question for the ages. Okay. But he has this very deep voice. Hello, I mean, deep, deeper even than that. And you should, I'll send you a couple of links. You should listen to him sometime. He's very entertaining. I, that sounds like it'd be right up my alley. Yeah, I like crazy. So I'm, I'm going to loosely tie this into technology. <laughs> uh, a lot of the shows I like on NPR are available in the form of podcasts, and I subscribe to them on iTunes. Explain but, why you do this, Norm. Why subscribe to yes, to them in podcast because than it's them on the radio. Make you listen to them at your convenience. Yeah, exactly. And and, and I don't listen to the pledge drive stuff. Yeah, which is going on right now. Oh, yeah. is there a pledge drive right, right now? now. Yeah. yeah, I, I donate my fifty bucks every year, and I'm totally happy with that. Um, but they also lie to you. So I'll first a light rant. Um, the pledge drive. I'm okay with like the eight minutes of pledge Topical. stuff at the top of every hour. But they lie to you about the rewards. They say if you commit to twelve dollars a month, you get their you know KQED umbrella. Do you not? But you also get you do get that stuff, and you also get like this cool prize. Oh, here is a uh, this American Life USB key no. with like thirteen hours of interviews. Sounds great, and they'll say it's the only exclusive uh-huh. available if you if you donate right one hundred forty four dollars a year. That's a lot. It's a lie. It's a lie. You, you can buy it for like thirty dollars on, on eBay. Online. Uh, it's online. Well, that's not that on, bad. Oh, and so I. I I don't I think was, it's worth 144 I was bucks. Say, is that Eaton Eaton Survival Radio? Does it not have a hand crank and solar panels? No, it's, I, I, th- that's something I don't want. I give money to um, to public broadcasting because yeah. I, I do think it's 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 important, and the yeah. government increasingly seems to not be interested in in supporting yeah, it's it. A, those damn conservatives. But my even, even though even though it's a constitutional thing, is that while some shows are on really? in, the, in the in the well, I know this because oh. I just went on a on a historical adventure. That in the in the U.S. Constitution, it says that the go- the government will provide money for uh, the useful arts. Ah, 
Well, there's there's a room for interpretation there. Well, yeah, that, and that of course is why we have to have a Supreme right. Court because they left it wide open yeah. for us to argue about. Um, but if you know, I like to think that I was, was going to say it, it, it is a fine line when you look at some of the endowments that the government gives out between like you know opera and like arts and like teaching children about literature and stuff, and then like some artist who's just like smearing theses on a wall. Like yeah. I guess technically one is as valid as the yeah. other, Once but then see- that's where all the interpretation comes in. Yeah, yeah. The thing is. Some of these shows are not on available in podcast form. Um, That's right, and but you can listen. There's still, there's still no great Prairie Home Companion podcast. I wish there were. There isn't, and you have to pay for a lot of that stuff. And if you love it so much, you should pay for it. Well, you should. But if I if I don't want to sit in my car, you know, a certain time every week on Sunday, that's and listen the problem. To it, yeah, that's that seems so antiquated now. It is. Don't you have but a see, stereo in your house? You can just put it on the old FM well, radio. It's, and, it's about the convenience. I know, factor. but again, we're so we're so conditioned out of the idea of having to watch a TV program when it's just we when like it's on. on the radio no, seems no, no, no. backwards now because of that. Your mistake here is thinking that Garrison Keeler doesn't feel like people should gather around the family radio and listen to Prairie Home Companion. It's a, it's a throwback to the way things used to be. Regardless That's not of the about content. listening to it in convenience. That's about Regardless. listening to it when they put it on the fucking radio. I know, but so we should have to we, at least give us the choice. Like City Arts and Lectures. I love that show. Yeah. It's not available. You can't even buy it. And it's on at random times, it, It's on late at night. Uh, it's a San Francisco thing. Is that the one with Linda Hunt? It is. Okay. I, I love Linda. She's, she was on The Practice. She played the old judge of the big really? classes. Yeah, and she, she was the principal like, in Kindergarten Cop. She, yeah, she, yeah, fascinating. She looks like uh, you know she the, inhabits the, all the ends of the cultural spectrum. So her second uh, her second act has yeah. been to class up the joint. Yes, yes. But you know, you know, in the Incredibles, the lady who designs the um, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, Edna, very much Edna? looks like she her. looks like her. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, Edna, uh, yeah, Edna, uh, uh, Edna Mode, Edna Mode, yeah, yeah. That's it. Um, but it's, it's a great interview series. It's done at the Herbst Theater. I love listening to that stuff. So I, I, I know KQED, like our local radio station, you can listen to it online, like you can a lot of. Radio stations, and we actually did an Apple Day we shot recently where it's a radio app they can listen to digital HD streams. Radio. I don't think it's up yet. Uh, it's not up yet. Yeah. Um, I want a desktop app that does that, but also lets me like DVR my radio. Uh, you know, I, Griffin used to sell a thing that was a radio tuner that was basically TiVo for your radio when you plugged it into your PC or Mac. Well, I, I don't need to, the digital streams are there. I just want to be able to tap in to the stream. You know, get some type of like yeah. TV guide slash programming, and then deal, say, say DVR from this hour to this hour every week, That's and save it as an MP3 file, and then put it on my uh, my iPod. That's some Matrix shit right there. Well, I'm, I'm sure it's available. Stream. I, I, I'm sure the technology is available. I'm, it's completely legal. It's just like recording something on VHS uh, from TV or DVRing anything. Um, I just want people actually do that. Anyway, there's some news. For this week, technology there, there news. There is technology news. Uh, first big thing, Facebook IPO. Everybody's talking about it. You don't need to hear us talk about this. Uh, it, Facebook is worth basically a billion dollars according to the uh, IPO filing uh, is what they're hoping for. Um, so the interesting put, thing yeah. about the Facebook IPO, which everyone was waiting for, the filing with the SEC, uh, was less really about how much stuff. money they were looking to raise and how much they're worth, but more about uh, what they had to disclose yeah. Um, to file this IPO in terms of how who, much what Zuckerberg their, makes, who their principal investors are. What the uh, challenges they expect to face sure. are. And, and uh, the big editorial piece was, I guess, Zuckerberg's statement of – mission statement for Facebook. And uh, that has been scrutinized and annotated uh, to death on the internet. Yeah. Um, and it's a – I think it's a fine piece of marketing language. You know? Why is Facebook even going public at this point? Um, What's the reason to do it? He's raising a lot of money to actually pay off taxes uh, from selling certain shares. Uh, so he needs cash. Yeah, they need cash. Because right now – He needs cash. Yeah. 
they need they need good cash flow. So he's held on to like 27% of the shares and he also has voting rights for a significant portion of the other shares, right? Like he votes he votes for other people. I just think when a company it's always I think it can be a bit of a culture shock, and I think it will be for Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg is obviously an extremely bright guy, yeah. but I think you know he's had the luxury up until now of running Facebook pretty much like his own private fiefdom because yeah. it is. He basically owns the majority of it. He's the founder of it. He's the most powerful person well, He's there. the largest single shareholder. He doesn't own the majority. Right. He's the la- largest he has, single – He has over 50 percent voting right. share though. Um, right. So he is the controlling interest. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was very interesting that quote that really stuck out at the very beginning of that letter was that – we don't build. We don't build cool things in order to make money. We make money in order to build cool things. Yeah. When he is answerable to shareholders, that's going to be a real culture shock because yeah. those people only care about making money. We, we've all worked for public companies before, and and I think that I think that actually the the working for shareholders thing is a lot of what's wrong with a lot of what's like driven companies in the wrong way. Well, I, 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 ab- absolutely. And there's a lot of, you know, obviously the, the, for example, there's been a lot of conversation in, 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 in the public discourse lately about China, right? And like, why doesn't Apple, yeah. for example, do all its manufacturing in the, in, in the U S and Steve jobs is evil because he never did that. And you can have a million different opinions about that. But the reality is the reason why is because Apple's shareholders would never allow it to happen well, the- because they would make less money and shareholder. Once a company becomes publicly owned and is accountable to shareholders, Corporate responsibility goes out the window. All all other concerns, other than making money and keeping your shareholders happy, go out the window. And that's why I think company. And that's why there's this whole whole conversation in America right now about how big businesses are bad because big businesses, once they become that certain size and once they become publicly accountable, only care about making money no matter what the cost. Well, it's it's and it's not just about making money. It's about making the most money possible. So in the in in the in the sixties and seventies. There were big, you know, Standard Oil was a massive corporation, even on today's scale. Um, but they, you know, there was there was kind of corporate accountability, and that seems to have gone away. Um, the, did you read the thing in the New York Times about the uh, about the Obama the the Silicon Valley dinner that Obama had here in I guess like last March or April uh, with with uh, with Zuckerberg, yeah, and Jobs, Jobs and all those guys, yeah. And the end the end of the conversation was, hey, why aren't we building iPhones in America? Yeah. And Jobs said, we don't have we don't have a workforce that can do that. And then told the story about changing the glass on the iPhone and waking up people from the dormitory in China at midnight to cha- to to go through and start building iPhones with this new process. That's never going to happen here, right? Because American workers a won't do it, and we can't. We have built a. a, a yeah, yeah and, and also we can't afford to pay them because the yeah. whole reason why an iPhone, is, though expensive, is as cheap as it is, is that it's based on the economics of what is essentially slave labor. If you if you bring those jobs here and pay people a living wage, an iPhone is yeah. going to be $1,500. Right. Uh, and the robots aren't ready yet is the other side of it. Uh, well, you can't, you can't use robots for a lot of that stuff because the cost of changing the line becomes really prohibitive. So that you use robots for things that change infrequently, like cars, and not to, and and placing chips on boards and commonly repeated tasks. But something like, you know, the aluminum acid baths or whatever it is that they do it requires more more manual intervention, is my understanding. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing to me is what's going to happen when China decides people in China decide they don't want these jobs anymore either. And are you uh, kidding me? What the lines? I mean, every time Foxconn hosts. You know, job openings. The line is miles long. Yeah, but I mean that'll change over twenty years. I'm, talk- I'm not talking about next year. I'm talking about ten, fifteen, twenty years from now. What's I don't the think that I don't think the people will stop wanting jobs. I think the jobs will change. I mean, do you guys feel? Be- this is completely off the Facebook IPO topic, but 
I mean, the the Apple working conditions are are um, in the news right now. I mean, all three of us buy a lot of Apple stuff. I mean, do you feel like uh, do you feel bad as a result of that? I, f- I feel as bad about it as I do buying almost any other product because exactly. almost everything is made under the same conditions. Apple gets singled out because it has a very high profile, and there's been a number of well, stories about it. And because and because it's easy to make the kind of the guilt contrast association, like oh, you have this super high end luxury shiny product, but this is what it costs takes to make yeah. it. Yeah. But again, go to go to Target and or Walmart or buy and buy almost anything from any company. I, I, it will have been made in China or Taiwan or one of these. Yeah. Exactly what Gary says, but also I think a lot of us are being a little more cognizant about buying things that are made in the U.S. Yeah, I buy, like, so I buy New Balance sneakers yeah. now, and I I always I look for things that are made in America yes. wherever wherever possible. And that's a lot of what you can do. I mean, you can't say I'm just going to stop buying products that are made overseas, but you can buy more products, or you know, when given a choice between two equal products that you, things that you you care about, yes. the stuff made in the U.S. actually is is pretty good. Yes. And it's not to say the stuff in the U.S. made in the U.S. the conditions are like much better. Right. Because uh, even like stuff that's made in San Francisco or in LA, a lot of those conditions are Well, you're thinking about great. American Apparel. Well, no, yeah, yeah, that. And I mean, it's it's still like, you know, it's, it's not, it's not like your mom and dad making stuff, like owning their own small business. Right. You know, it's still yeah, big my companies. My parents don't run a sweatshop. Right. It's, it's still big companies, you know. Just, but, what, but what it's really going to take though is some kind of like really kind of fundamental from the ground up change in uh, the way corporations can function so that they can actually afford to make these jobs American jobs. Well, like Santorum, as much as I, I find most, most, of every, most of everything he says despicable, made a, made a fairly decent point about how you, know, you, you, have, you have to give these companies super aggressive incentives um, to you know, bring those jobs back because it's so expensive compared to what it costs to just have Chinese people do it. Well, that uh, there's got there's got to be some kind of tax offset. So the difference the difference uh, <laughs> at least on, build, but, at least we can build Lego better. But on the face of it, yeah, it seems absurd <laughs> yeah. that we've got our, our nimble fingers yeah, can build got, Lego. We're, yeah. we're good at that. And, and, yeah, I don't know. I think children probably have a better shot at that because they have. Smaller oh man, fingers. Chinese children building my Lego. On oh, the face God, of it, it does seem kind of kind of absurd and sad that we've got millions of people in America sitting around with nothing to do while yeah. while all these all these phones are being made. Overseas. So the thing that the thing that gives me pause, and I talked to Gordon about this at fair length last night, um, is where HP and other companies are saying, "Look, here's our corporate responsibility stuff." Basically, the process with Apple, when they when they find a new subcontractor, according to this New York Times article, of course, is that they get into every level of the manufacturing process, and they say, "Okay, how many people are going to have to hire? What's the capital expense on the line? What's the expense for your materials?" And then they say, "Okay, here's the margin." Once they know all that stuff, they say, "Here's what we're willing to pay you," and the margin on that is minuscule above what their expenses are. Right. So then, then the next year they come back and say, "Okay, we want it to be ten percent cheaper." Uh, and the year after that, and, and that's always changing, and that's how they get into looking at optimizing the process for finishing the aluminum that they used to make MacBook Airs yeah. and going from safe, non-explosive chemicals to shit that's going to blow up. And the implication in the New York Times, I don't know if this is true or not, but I assume that there's at least multiple sources in the New York Times, is that other companies like HP and Dell don't necessarily get into that level of detail and put that much of a squeeze on the on the third-party suppliers. So I mean, it's definitely something. But I mean, your point earlier that this is Apple under scrutiny because they had the biggest quarter of all time, mm-hmm. uh, and and their their head is standing taller above everyone else's in the industry is, is yeah. also uh, probably relevant. But again, it all comes it all comes down to the fact that it's run by shareholders, and you know, if if Jobs 
when he was still around, or if Tim Cook today went to his shareholders, went to his board and said, hey, I've got an idea. Why don't we make just a little bit less money? Yeah. And part and and pay our pay these Chinese people more, or have some iPhones manufactured in the U.S. and we'll, we'll still be super rich, or not but, use the chemical we'll, that but, explodes. And, but maybe maybe we just make eighty five billion instead of ninety five billion next year. There would be a, he would be fired. There would be an absolute result yeah. re- revolt because these companies are driven by like you said, it's all about how much can we make. It's it's more the mo- more blood from the turnip is necessary. No. But I would like. I mean, I I wonder if it would even be practical to see almost some kind of pilot scheme. Where they would open like one factory in America, and maybe five percent of all iPhones are made in the United States, and those are pretty. You know, like they have like product red. It's like here, yeah. here's the made in the USA version. It's 150 bucks more, but if you want to support American manufacturing, buy that version and yeah. see what see what would happen. Well, it seems like the thing that we make in America now is software, software and entertainment. Yeah, which then gets ripped off by everyone else. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, Facebook IPOs out. Uh, I don't know. Did they announce when that when the it's as actually soon as, as as soon as SEC there's a there's the a fairly it. extended period of time yeah. that I, has to wait and there's a cool down phase and all that stuff. Right. I think it's going to be a bad thing for Facebook ultimately. I think a lot of people are going to get very rich. The people who work at Facebook, yes, the janitors, Zuckerberg really and well. Moskovitz and all these guys are going to going to become even richer. Yeah. But if you think if you're one of those people that likes to complain about Facebook being evil now. Wait until it's a public company yeah. accountable to shareholders who only care about making money. But the thing is, unlike a company like Google, I have no problem dropping Facebook completely and not using it as opposed to like I, I can't not use Google. Facebook is something you can walk away from. Go- yeah. and, and in fairness, Google had a similar situation and has, has managed to avoid a lot of these pitfalls. I mean it also makes it easy. It's easy because they're making a boatload of money as well. Yeah. So – I mean, I think I think this is one of those things where you have an okay time until the hard times hit, yeah. And then the first time you have uh, uh, eleven bad quarters in a row, <laughs> you you have real problems. Well, they only need to have one. You you know what the market's like. You only have to come in slightly under projection, and the market yeah, will savage fucked. you. Everyone, yeah. everyone will be selling off. Um, there was I, I saw a couple of interesting analysts saying that they think that this whole Facebook that the valuation is way over the top. And uh, it's inflated by the fact that Facebook is in the zeitgeist and everyone's on Facebook. So they, they all think it's the big thing, which right. to some extent obviously it is. Um, but that ro- the, the romanticism of it is driving up and inflating the actual value of it. Well, it's the same thing that happened with a lot of the Linux IPOs in the late 90s. You know, people, people were thinking, oh, hey, it's somebody in Microsoft's market. They have a chance to take them on. Let's put money at Red Hat or whatever. And yeah. then that money went straight down the toilet. There was a guy, and there was a guy on NBC this morning talking about it who made a good point. It's part of the reason why Facebook is in, is in great shape and is unlikely to go the way of Friendster or MySpace anytime soon is that – they are now so deeply embedded in other parts of the web. Like other other companies rely on Facebook for so much of their strategy. Like like us on you know you, you've got Morgan Freeman on you know on the Super Bowl saying like us on Facebook. Like it's just it's just embedded in so much so many people's other businesses yeah, now. The, you know, 20, fifteen years ago, everybody was saying, "Hey, visit us at AOL keyword Ford." And that's that oh, AOL? I remember when AOL keywords were a yeah. thing. I mean, holy shit! Facebook visit us at facebook.com/slash/ford is yeah. the same exact thing. Right? As that, AOL yeah, that could easily, that could easily Twitter, be replaced by the, the next get your thing. Get glues, you know, no problem. Yeah, it's not even that. It's that the domain, the URL, is the thing of value. Now, the the co- counter to this is that when you look at graphs of time spent on the internet versus graphs of time spent on Facebook. Over the last three years, Don't say those two words together. What? I'm not going to say okay. the social graph. Uh, word. Oh, okay. Oh, wait. Hold on. Um, but no, when you look at the amount of time people spend on Facebook versus every other site that they go to on the internet, yeah, 
Facebook wins. Were you surprised by the – because the other thing that came out of this whole process was Facebook having to be much more obviously very transparent and federal filings and stuff about here's how many people use the service. Yeah. Here's, how, here's how many hours they're on the site territory by territory. Uh, it was interesting to see those breakdowns. I didn't actually dig that deep into the breakdowns. We were doing Lego. We were doing serious business yesterday afternoon, so I haven't had a chance to read Well, it was, inter- it was interesting to see. It was – you know, I think they've got something like 800 – Million users, million users, four hundred of which are on the site every four hundred million of which are on the site every day. That's astounding. Uh, on average, for an hour a day. Although, again, like so, um, for example, like in Israel, the per hours per day is much much higher than any other place. Like obviously, oh. it's it's you know it's we we've seen how in those parts of the world, Facebook is kind of gaining greater adoption. Well, it's the internet. It, like it, as in Japan. People use phones the way we use PCs. Right. The same thing is happening there but with Facebook is my, is my understanding. Well, but also in places where traditional methods of communication are a bit more stifled. Yeah. So you go to like the, you know, the, the Arab world, yeah. for example, and you know, television is not necessarily – and public broadcast is not as free as it is in the Western world. And so things like Facebook become more of an outlet. Well, the I thing know. I really liked about that Facebook IPO filing was that they listed we have 850 million users and we are not sure how many of the remaining people on the planet are interested in signing up for our service. Well, like he had, like it, was, it was a lot well, yeah, of like, so you, they could already be at people. There, yeah. there are 7 billion people and yes. we think we've gotten all of them that are interested is a concern. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, so you got to worry about growth. But, so, but it's not about like how many more people can you add. It's it's about how do you monetize how the people that money you have. You pull those, yeah, Each those person people. is a turnip, and, you and I'm telling you, that's going to be done with more aggressive marketing, more looser and looser privacy policies, where more of your information can be made available. It's just like it's so inevitable what's going to happen. It's like well, we can't add any more people. Like you said, we've reached a kind of a peak oil point, and yeah. so it's how do we get more blood? How do we extract more out of each user that we have? Right. And that's going to be mining their personal data more, getting more in your face with fucking pop up ads and bullshit on Facebook. It's going to happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, the interesting thing about all that stuff is is how much the people like you can only do that for so long before the people revolt. Once you get in, once you get out of growing the market. And get into squeezing blood from the existing existing market you have, then that business is going to go yes. to decline, and, and that creates a, an opportunity a, for the yeah. next thing, be it Google Plus or Path or whatever, to come along and say, "Hey, we're not evil." So yeah, Facebook turned into this ugly thing, and now you know you should come over here instead. Exactly. Um, on much smaller news, Steve Jobs and Neil Young. By the way, this R story that the R story that this came from had the scariest photo of Neil Young I've ever seen. I don't think you can take a non-scary photo of Neil Young these Pretty days. Pretty scary, scary dude. No, Neil Young—he's like kind of grandfatherly most of the time. No, you he looks really grumpy. But no. at like at bridge school, he's always happy and kind of you know he's kind of a frowny-faced dude. But um, yeah, so Neil Young and, and Steve Jobs wanted to bring 24-bit audio to the masses. Now, um, first off, let's talk about what this means. Do you remember Super Audio CD and DVD Audio? Yeah. So this is kind of at forefront of the mind for me because we were at CES and got to listen to a pair of crazy expensive headphones with Super Audio CD support, uh, a source, hooked up to them. And suddenly I understood why people cared about Super Audio CD because when you take a pair of $1,500 headphones and a and a 24-bit uh, high, high sample rate source, it sounds unbelievable, right? Uh, Neil Young, they were specifically concerned about the impact that the MP3ization of music, you know, the 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 convenience over quality, and the fact that we've been listen- we're listening to lower quality music now than we were 20 years ago with CDs, um, and and they wanted to introduce a 24 bit, uh, less compressed or uncompressed standard for iTunes. Uh, should we talk about what that means? 
you want to get into the technical okay. part of it, yeah. This is a boring word picture. but So basically when you record a wave audio file, you record a sample rate, which is the number of chunks per second that you break up the, the, the audio, the analog wave into, right? Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> usually you record 44 kilohertz or something like that. So it means each second of wave audio is 44,000 chunks. And each one of those chunks is 16 bits of data, right? Yes. So to figure out how much data of a second chunk is, you take 44, the sample rate, multiply it by the number of bits, then you convert it to yes. megabytes. When so you, there are two axes which you can increase quality of audio. Yeah, you can increase, increase the sample. Yeah, exactly. And increase the quality of each sample. Exactly. Or, or increase the number of samples. Number, which is number you, quality of samples oh, sorry, and the quality yeah, of samples. Yeah, exactly. 24-bit is the quality of samples. Right. Um, and that's going to increase the size much less than, say, increasing the number of samples. Because when you... For, for reasons that we're not going to get into, you have to increase the samples in multiples of 22 kilohertz basically. So the next jump up from 44 is like 96-something. And uh, and and uh, anyway, that's going to really multiply the size of your files. Uh, that's going to give you two, two times the size of the files, whereas 16 to, to 24 bits is going to multiply them by okay. 50. Anyway, so, it doesn't matter. Okay. Didn't happen. This whole this this like they apparently they were making progress and then it stalled. It's not the first time people have talked about going to twenty four bit for for audio. Not the first time Apple has talked about it. Right. Current current samples. Currently, what happens when you listen to an MP three is it's a sixteen bit forty four kilohertz sample um, sample rate uh, wave file that's then compressed to MP three or AAC in iTunes's case. Uh, and and those bit rates on a- iTunes AAC files are what like one hundred ninety two kilobits. Yeah. VBR sometimes. Uh, yeah, VBR uh, at the, for the iTunes Plus stuff, which I think is a dead on the vine as well. Yeah, you do have the option at least if you're burning a CD of um, getting a lossless, like completely uncompressed version yeah. off of it. Yeah, but a CD like a, a gold CD from the uh, from the studio, not like burning MP3s on a CD. Right. Yeah. So 24-bit yeah. audio, it's not happening because not pe- people aren't pushing for that standard. Also, it's going to be incompatible with existing hardware. Right, so you, so your iPhone is not capable of playing twenty four bit audio. Um, the other the other reason it's not happening is that most people listen with pack in headphones, and you're very unlikely to hear a difference between sixteen bit and twenty four bit audio using a pair of ten dollar pack in. Yeah, so and also they are much more uh, much larger files, huge. Yes. So you can get yeah. fewer songs on no, your about device. Hundred megs a file, pretty yeah. Much. Instead of ten meg, it's a ten tenfold right. size. So for super size. audio files. Who you know probably got the the you know the largest iPod mm-hmm. or you know listen to their music on a computer or whatever and again the space is an issue that's that's what you want. But if you're forward thinking, the the f- file size for a song isn't going to matter two years ahead in terms of how much storage we'll have and how much bandwidth right. we we'll have to stream stuff. Uh, it, it really is not having the right hardware to play it off of and the right hardware to listen to. And you and Vinny were t- Vinny, uh, you uh, and Vinny were talking earlier about extended this extended conversation about. How these days people seem to care less about the headphones they buy, uh, especially and and also the listening experience is more has transferred from home to on the go, um, where people care aren't sitting on their couches yeah. wearing really nice headphones. When yeah, I, I mean, the, for oh. the, I'm just saying the vast majority of people, even if even if it's not at the file level, 
the sound that is going into your ears in 99% of cases is being throttled somewhere along the line. By, oh, if, if not by the, by the file, then by the quality of the hardware you're using. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, another thing to mention is that there is there are 24-bit audio standards now. SACD and DVD audio. I, I'm not sure about DVD audio because it's kind of super dead on the vine. It's just mostly dead on the vine. But both of those are 24. I I, I know SACD is 24-bit. I think uh, DVD hasn't, is as well. Hasn't Apple done some uh, releases in lossless format? For like you know when it's like the Beatles or some like really high profile release, you can buy a lossless version. I mean, maybe Norm can check, but I don't think we have. I don't think that's the case. They they did a twenty four bit per, uh, push uh, a while ago. Remember when they had that event where there was like a Apple logo in the guitar, right? Right. Uh, that, where music was focused, they pushed that, but it wasn't any hardware change, so you really get no benefit. Um, the thing is, it, the difference between 16-bit audio and 24-bit audio is not as dramatic as like looking at a, a VHS to Blu-ray or a DVD to or Blu-ray. VHS to DVD even. Exactly. So, Especially it, if you're listening with cheap, cheap uh Well, that's the thing. Stuff. You've really got to be listening on that kind of that crazy setup that you had to really appreciate. Right, so well, you, I don't think that's the case. I think, you, I think, think you have the, to be – The parallel, right? For, like for home we video. We test that actually. Right? You have – you need a – not only do you need new Blu-ray discs, you need a Blu-ray player, you need the – Nice cables, and you need a, a big TV. The parallels are there for audio also. You need a player, you need the headphones, you need good cables, and you need the media. It's a much bigger investment when you're just talking about audio for most people than for video with something that you can more yeah, the readily TV, consume. The TV seems like it's an easy thing to spend two grand on. A pair of headphones seems like it would be a, a harder sell um, when you're talking to uh, uh, significant others. Yeah. I mean, I think the hardware's already out there, it's just really expensive. Uh, the other thing I was going to say is that the 24-bit audio formats that are out there now are DRM'd to the point that that like nobody's cared enough to break the DRM. I don't know how you how you crack a SACD or a GBDA file to get a pure digital rip off of it. I think that those are DRM'd to the point that that nobody's bothered to 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 make that an easy rip experience. And without that kind of convenience, like nobody's going to put an SACD player in their car. So. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's that. I thought it was an well, interesting story. Well, it's pointless though. in the car because you have too, too much ambient noise anyway. Well, but I don't want to buy two. I don't want to buy the same format twice. Like I don't want to buy Dark Side of the Moon in three different formats. I don't want to buy an MP3 and SACD. No, if you've got a, like a good luxury car with a with a really sweet aftermarket sound system, I imagine you can get a get I think, a great. I think Norm's right. I think you're going to lose the detail. Yeah, mm. just by driving, just by turning okay. on the car. I listen to most of my music in the car. Where I listen, to most that's where good enough. But is I'm not a super audiophile, right. so. Yeah. That's why that, but good. That, that, that's that is the good enough situation. Yeah, right. You'd rather have your entire library in your in your hand than have the best possible quality. But again, there's always ways to improve. Like I said, since I switched to that dock cable that you recommended, yeah, it's definitely better. Yeah, well, and 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 better experience too on on the how the volume and stuff, not having to fiddle with volume on two places and all that as well. Right. Ran out of air there. Uh, Connect for Windows launched today. Yesterday, yesterday I guess. Uh, two hundred fifty bucks more expensive than um, the Xbox version. Yeah, much more expensive. The hardware is actually a little bit different. Well, it, it comes with the with the license, though. It comes with the license uh, to publish software. Okay, like the SDK, you can only use now uh, and get full support with this hardware, uh, as opposed to the Xbox. So this is only really being aimed at developers, right? There's not so basically a dev kit because yeah, there's no real end user yeah. reason to own one for well, your PC the, yet. The end user reason will be in six months when the first software comes out. I mean, it's it's literally the pictures that they have on the site are the surgeon waving his hands to see the the imagery and right. stuff oh like that. God. Yeah. And then there were rumors earlier in this week um, about ASUS putting Connect uh, camera and hardware 
in the future laptops, or at that least Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft, you know, pushing out some uh, developer samples of Kinect hardware in laptops. I think it's super stupid. I, I don't know why you would want a laptop with Kinect built in. Um, sure, the, you get better audio if you have two mics and you know depth perception with uh, two cameras, but I, I really don't see how that's going to affect my day-to-day use of a laptop. I'm inclined to agree. Um, the the one thing that does change with the with the Windows Connect is that it has a near uh, a closer re- better resolution at near range. Yeah, so you don't uh, have to sit six so feet away. Six feet away. Yeah. Um, but other than that, it's the basically it has an extra focusing layer or something. But other mm. than that, the hardware is the same. I think too often people are enamored by the the Minority Report UI thing, and Microsoft has pushed this natural user interface. You know, uh, study. For years, and how, how you know with Surface and stuff, but I don't think people want to be waving, uh, waving your hands in front of the computer, or even you know facial recognition to unlock your computer. I don't think that's the best use of the technology. I'll still be interested to see what comes out of it, though, because a lot of that homebrew stuff that we started to see was more interesting than a lot of the official software. You know, oh, yeah. p- piloting gyrocopters and all kinds of crazy uh, applications, and that was just a handful of people that had hacked the Xbox version. Now that it's being made readily available to whoever wants to play with it, I think we'll see some interesting stuff. Well, and and even those cool hack demos, like we we talked about this a little bit last week, but it was really hard to get them running because there's like six different SDKs out there for different platforms. Yeah, there's an official way to do it now. Now that there's an official way to do it, if people port their stuff over to that, it could be really exciting. I think the flashy implementations to connect, the stuff that's the most hand-waving, arm-waving stuff is going to be the least interesting in the long run. And the stuff that is more subtle, like like the Toby Ice tracking stuff, where it just enhances things that you already do with your computer, um, that's going to be the more interesting things. Well, the it's it's funny because a lot of the stuff even on the Connect, like when I stand in front of the Connect, it never recognizes me unless I take my glasses off, ever. I mean, I always have to take the glasses off. There's a, there's a lot of troubleshooting. Seems- I mean, like like a Siri level technology, this is the potential to be really useful, but also has to be the potential to be really frustrating. Well, and and I mean, this seems like it should be codified into some sort of law, but basically the the idea that when something works, it has to work exactly as you'd expect every single time. Because the problem with Siri is the the one time a week that it fails, you just f- chuck the fucking iPhone. Wow, only one bang. time a week for you? Well, I don't use it anymore because it keeps because well, it's one like, time a week it's that like it playing fails. poker. You only remember your bad hands. You no, only it's remember true. It fails. We've said this before. It's really started to bug me with Siri lately, though. Is again for every for every time it works, you're just like, yeah, that's what's supposed to happen. Yep. But for right. when it doesn't work, you, it's it's infuriating. It's it's become something that, that the only thing I use it for is the stuff that I know it's going to be close enough on. Like, hey, send a text to my wife. Tell her I'm on the way home. Right. I mean, that is literally. What I use Siri for now. I don't use Siri to find where there's something near me. I don't use it to find directions. I found it useful for dictating things. If I just need to write, make a quick reminder to myself, I can just dictate it, and it'll and and, it, and the text doesn't have to be great. It just has to be enough yeah, for me the, to the remember it when I when I when I get home. Yeah. That's all well and good. Yeah. But they, you know, it fails to recognize me or connect to the network. So many times, it's very unApple like. I think this product because it doesn't work a lot of the you know the whole it just works. No, it doesn't. It doesn't just work a lot of the time. On the ghetto, get the gray bag. When I get home, don't forget to get the gray bag. It's kind of like the Seinfeld thing where he writes the joke down in the middle of the night and then can't read his own handwriting it really the next is. morning. That's exactly it. That is exactly it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, th- that's out. It's a thing. Uh, Sony announced numbers yesterday. They lost like $2 billion last quarter. Uh, Kaz, I, I didn't More read More importantly, uh, Stringer's out. 
Yeah, so oh, Kaz. Wow. Sir Howard, who was on stage shaking Will Smith's hand at CES, talking about... Hold on, I didn't shake his hand well, at CES. The Will Smith that, that matters. Oh, uh, thanks. Sir Howard Stern has been a CEO of Sony for seven years. He was the first CEO of president of Sony uh, that was a foreigner. Right. Uh, didn't speak any Japanese. Um, and uh, Kaz, who had been put in uh, to run Sony's consumer electronics division... Uh, after, uh, with the success of PlayStation after the founder of PlayStation was pushed out um, is now the CEO. Um, I think it's a, it's a relatively good thing. If you read the history in Kaz in the New York Times, I think the Wall Street Journal has a, a profile of everything he's done. Um, and also Kaz himself did like outline how he envisions uh, changing Sony. Um, I think it's a good change. I think Howard Stringer's his the the products he launched at Sony weren't exciting. Um, although, if you remember from like a couple months back after the Steve Jobs biography came out, everyone was talking about Apple Apple moving into the TV business and how existing TV manufacturers react to that. Um, Stringer did make a big comment about you know Sony has for the past five years been developing the next you know TV revolution and just like Apple, sure. Uh, and we didn't see that at CES uh, at all. Anything they they that, barely had TVs at CES. They barely had TVs, but their big online, you know, my uh, my memories thing. Their own their their cloud launch was not very impressive. Don't, how, do you think that the ne- their next TV revolution is 4K? Is that what they're saying? No. Just resolution no, increase? No, no, no. Next um, TV revolution has to be a a way. Uh, it, it, it's less about the TV, the physical TV, and more about what type of content you're putting on the TV and how you're getting that content. Um, One would think that, but yeah. I mean... Uh, Kaz is a really big proponent of user experience. He created divisions in Sony just to study user experience. That seems... Um, th- that's gone well for them so far. And if you, look at, if you look at the products, look at Sony products in terms of cameras, of, you know, the PlayStation, obviously, TVs, and everything else they make, uh, what, which Sony product has the best user experience? Probably the camera you have is of the stuff I've used. Like, like the thing about Sony is their highs are really high, but their lows are real bad. Yeah, it's not very unified at all. No, uh, I think the PlayStation has a decent user experience. I like the XMB, but I think really good. It, at this point, it's hard for me to tell whether that's because it's familiar and hasn't changed versus Microsoft seemingly schizophrenic. Every year, we're going to make it slightly worse uh, strategy. I, I don't know. It's always interesting when there's a big change at the top. It's only, you know, when, when a company is that large, you know, it's like a cruise ship. You know, it's very difficult to change direction quickly. And the only way to do it is if there is like a you know a change from the very very top leadership. So I think Kaz is obviously a very smart guy. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, who was it that said that people were going to save money for months to buy a PS3? Uh, that was the the founder of um, the PS3. That was uh, the Ken. PS- um, that was Ken. Uh, yeah, Ken Kudaragi. Yes, he, okay. he was pushed that when he announced uh, that PlayStation their business was losing two billion dollars a year. Just yeah. their business. Uh, just the PlayStation yeah. business. And Kaz came in and turned that around by cutting costs. He uh, he made t- t- he was, cuts. I mean, there's the an anecdote happen, about um, about you know cutting manufacturing costs, not in terms of uh, uh, the the. Uh, the the uh, employees, but like using silk screens instead of actually etching Sony onto the, the oh. hardware. Yeah. Yeah. So decreasing quality. Sometimes it's about, you know, it's not sexy, but sometimes it's about having that eye for detail. Again, one of the reasons why Apple has been so successful is because of people like Tim Cook that just kind of get the, get into the nitty gritty of like every unsexy part of the, you know, yeah. widgets and supply chains and things and they make it work. Um, it's not necessarily about 
having the most revolutionary for someone like Sony. It's, I don't think it's ever going to be about having the most revolutionary new product or whatever, because they haven't been very innovative in hardware in a long time, but it can be about just making really high quality products and actually making money on each one that you sell. Yeah. Which Turns they haven't that's been a key. tremendously yeah. good at. Right. You have more faith in a company when you realize the guy at the top is, you know, he's doing the day-to-day stuff and he has a really good uh, attention detail, good eye for detail. Well, yeah, because you don't want to get called on the carpet and have him pick, pick your product apart. Right. I mean, that gives you strong incentive to, uh, yeah. to be awesome. Uh, Microsoft is making adjustments to the Windows 8 file manager based on feedback from users. Comments posted to the Windows 8, building Windows 8 blog, which I find the, the interesting thing about this is they didn't build some amazing web tool or anything like that to kind of capture comments or use ThinkUp or, or some off the shelf product. They just wrote down comments with a notepad and put little ticks next to them. So, um, but the, but the feedback, the things that are changing are interesting and, and I think good. Number one on my list. Windows 8 will read EXIF data from JPEGs and orient them properly in preview when you're looking at it in Windows File Explorer. You know, thank you. Uh, y- yes. No, this is a huge. It you is idiotic that, that this doesn't say happen. That, no. Yeah, I mean, isn't that something that should just happen anyway? Like, yeah. why, is, why are we so grateful for something that we should this, just expect this should have to begin with? But with if, Vista, if it's just standardized in Windows, it d- doesn't mean that it's going to be standardized anywhere else. And that's having EXIF data for uh, your picture orientation. Um, I'd rather the picture be just right initially. Like it doesn't actually rotate the picture. It's just the way it displays it is but, rotated. But the, the, the way the rest of the industry works is that it doesn't actually rotate the picture. It just looks at the – this is a kind of semantic argument too. I mean the, the, if the orientation data is in the EXIF data, then that's the thing that is – It that's, should. That's what it should be the thing that decides. Yeah. I still um, find myself when I move pictures over to Windows – to rotating every one because that's how Windows reads. It. I just don't do photo work in Windows because it's idiotic. Because then oh, when I, you rotate every one, then the EXIF data is wrong. So when you pull it into Lightroom or something like that, it's going to be jacked no, it, up it, then. It, but it, Photoshop will recognize it. Oh, it's, it's this is a conversation we should not have to have in 2012. Yeah, I, I agree. Mean, that seems kind of silly. Yeah. Um, they're skipping unnecessary file conflicts. So you know when you copy a bunch of files into a folder and it says, oh, hey, do you want to skip or replace or make a copy of this one? If the files are identical size, uh, modified dates, and something else, I can't remember what the third, the third factor was, it's just not going to prompt you. It's just going to leave the if, – if it thinks right. that it's a duplicate, it's not going to – A large right. part of this blog and also previous blogs have been dedicated to the idea of like file management. And I mean something as simple as copy and moving files, like a big group of files. And what happens if your computer goes to sleep when you're transferring, you know, four hundred files, right? And then now, and then now you can pause halfway yeah, through. Well, now you can pause and resume, right. and it won't auto resume. You know, it does it automatically. And it's little, it's little nuts and bolts things like this that really yeah. make an OS a pleasure to yes. use. It's not about ripply effects or arrow right. this or that. It's it's just about common sense, you know, everyday stuff working mm-hmm. the way it's. And yeah. the fact that they're making work. this transparent and talking about the development process and writing these blogs, something we've said before. Apple will never do. Yeah, uh, that's why I appreciate well, Microsoft as a it, company. It's things that happened in like this happened in Windows Seven too. Like they added the option to put the downloads folder on the Start menu. I don't know about you, but the downloads folder is probably the folder I spend the most time working in. Really? It, well, I mean, it, I download it, straight to desktop. Oh, that's crazy. Why? Because it's gonna make a huge mess on your desktop. No, and then I it, it lets me. Oh, I keep sweep down, things I keep away. Downloads folder for years. I have probably I have. I have GeForce 4 drivers in my downloads own. folder probably. It's true that Microsoft seems to have a much more open process about this. Like the only time Apple ever 
really acknowledges this stuff. Is like once a year they'll get up on WWDC and say, "Hey, a bunch of you, we heard a bunch of you say you wanted cut and paste, so here it is," and that's pretty much it. That's it. Whereas well, with Microsoft, it feels like an ongoing dialogue with the community. No, Apple puts it in that when they release a new version of the OS, whether it's iOS or OS 10 at this point, they have a list of here are the 500 changes in this OS. Right, but it's not. Here's how we came to these changes. Yeah. yeah but I don't, what changes would you like to see right. and things like that? Well, it's never what changes would you like to see. Right. And Microsoft, I, mean, I mean, they clearly are listening. They're just not soliciting yeah. advice. Yeah, and they're not pleased with themselves when they when – they Although I'd be surprised if there wasn't some kind of process at Apple where they did occasionally have developers and oh, people sure. come in and like you know, have a discussion. Well, if nothing else, they, they can look at the, what's happening, what people are talking about on their message boards and the support boards and on Twitter yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, they're you're setting explorer, uh, syncing explorer settings between computers through live, which is a nice. That's a good ad. Um, and uh, I think that's that's the big. Stuff. I mean, PowerShell this is the is stuff. The, these like core Windows features are the things that will push me to upgrade Windows eight m- much more than the you know the new start screen and yeah. Metro UI stuff because that stuff. While it'll, I mean, I. I Hope it worked great on, great on tablets. Uh, is not interesting to me at all from the desktop perspective. Right, and and I think I mean I I like that they the fact that they're having the conversation is is a is a is a good thing. I yeah. think overall, I think having a likable you know figurehead and voice for your appropriate product is so important these days when everyone writes about them and when we follow companies like is that Sanofsky at this point? Yeah, Sanofsky. You know, e- even uh, Stephen Elop and Nokia and you know Kaz being likable. Having a, a good headed company, smart dude, someone you can have faith in, but also yeah. someone who's likable. Like that's why we're all not only skeptical about Facebook, but skeptical about Zuckerberg too, yeah. right? I mean, I, I'm less interested in investing in Facebook because I know where that money's going. Well, but the thing, well, you're not investing in Facebook anyway. But but the the point is, like the Kevin Butler thing, which is where Sony tried to do this the first time, was you know clearly a fake actor figurehead. Oh yeah, I mean that's not comedic. the same thing at all. That's just a marketing personality. Right. Well, but uh, the, I think Norm's point is that the marketing personality has to be like when the marketing personality and the person driving the driving the car are the same, it's much more effective than you feel like there's somebody in charge. Right, and it's not like the Jay Allard way of yes, he is the guy running that Leader division, of the tribe, but also yeah, but also he has to be marketed up and you know put on the fancy new clothes and stuff. Right, that is today's super unappealing. Uh, but and we'll get to this later. Someone like a, a Ron Johnson running J.C. Penney, you know, when he talks when he does interviews, it seems like he's honest and you know, yeah. And Bezos sincere. has the same has yeah, the same exactly. quality. Yeah, I think that's real, definitely super important for uh, for big companies. Uh, no Galaxy S3 at Mobile Mobile World Congress rumors about Samsung are ripe this week. Ripe well, with those this week coming out of CES, right? When we talk about the big manufacturing companies in the world or big consumer electronics companies, right? Apple number one and I think it's pretty safe to say Samsung is close number two. Um, and Sony wishes they were in that position. Uh, so Mobile World Congress is at the end of February, and it's traditionally where the big new uh, Android handsets are announced for the year outside of CTIA. Uh, last year is where the Galaxy S2 was announced. CTIA in 2010 was where the Galaxy S1 was announced. Yeah. Um, CES, Samsung's big push was Galaxy Note, and we expect that in, at Mobile World Congress, they'll be pushing something new, real, a um, real product. It's never a real product. The right. Galaxy Note was way more was more of a real product than any other. No, announced because it, it's been out. Yeah, whether it's out or not, it's a it's a it's not it's not a mass product. It, that's wait till you see that Super Bowl ad. I, that's I, what they're pushing. Okay. Um, 
at Mobile World Congress this year, there won't be no uh, Galaxy S3. Um, because well, the Galaxy Nexus is the Galaxy S3. Uh, could be. I, I think they'll probably share a lot of similar attributes, um, just like when HTC announced the Incredible and uh, the Nexus 1. There will presumably be one, though, because the S2 was so hugely successful. Yeah. But when they announced the S2, it was in Europe for half a year before it was in America. Right. And, and I think then, they'll probably wait uh, later, um, closer to when they actually can deliver well, a, and, a yeah, to, and, to market. And, and literally the S2's... It was three months old when the Galaxy Nexus came and, out, and really, they probably consider it fairly still young. In the, I mean, it's the, the the Apple, the guys with the fake Apple hipsters, right? That's the S two that are advertising, yeah. right? So, I mean, th- that big marketing push only started really recently. Yeah. So, they probably want to try and get this, sell more of these first, right? So, Samsung has made a statement saying that they'll have their own event, uh, private event for the S three announcement. Uh, it warrants a, a, its own. So, this event. is how this is how trade shows die. Yeah, I mean, I I think so. I think is, companies the, want to be less beholden to trade show, uh, show schedules yeah. and uh, make announcements. Yeah, I agree. Time. I don't understand the point of them at all. No, I mean, they're, they're like, for the little guys that can't justify their own events, but increasingly the bigger guys like, can't get people like Apple and events. Samsung and Microsoft are, just, are big enough to do their own things mm-hmm. and create their own excitement. But uh, the big rumor, yeah, the other this is a good rumor, is uh, both Boy Genius Report and um, I forget who the other uh, Mac site. Rumors, uh, no, 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 it no. wasn't a Mac site. Um, have they're they're doubling down on this rumor that Samsung will announce their next super tablet at Mobile World Congress. And this is a tablet that will use a 2560 by 1600 10.1 inch display. Okay. So uh, this is actually a panel that Samsung demoed last year. So that's uh, iPad panel size, right? Conference. Yeah, same. So it's, it's like a Galaxy Tab uh, 10.1 right now, but maybe a little bigger. They're saying it's a Galaxy Tab 11, um, but with the resolution of what like Will and I, I have on a 30 inch monitor. Wow. Uh, about 300 uh, PPI. So it's, um, it's iPhone four res, uh, a pixel density, a little a little less than on iPhone four screen, on a ten inch screen though, yeah. and uh, but it is a pentile uh, screen. Ew. that's the one that they announced uh, last year. That resolution year. you might not even notice though. That's that's the thing, um, and they say that it'll be a quad core uh, with that screen with a long battery life. Um, the thing that's interesting to, to me about this is using the iPad. I think I probably use the iPad at this point more than either of you guys. Um, like, yeah, I think you definitely do. Like playing games like Ascension and and card games and stuff like that, where there's a lot of detail text, you, you frequently end up having to blow up the card in order to right. see it. And when you're when you're playing the same game on the iPhone four, even though there's fewer pixels, you don't have that problem. No, it's going to be a game changer. Those yeah. really really high when you when you've got Retina level displays on bigger screens, it's, yeah. you're going to be able to do so much more. Quad resolution screens are very exciting. I, 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 I still yeah. don't think they're real. Blows but. my mind that we're getting a twenty five sixty by sixteen hundred pixel screen on something that's smaller than my 11-inch MacBook Air right now. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. In, I think for reasonable prices, it's still unlikely this year. Uh, Samsung has never released products in reasonable prices. They'll do stuff on contract. I think well, it's going to... I mean, Mobile World Congress, we'll see. Uh, I want to believe it, and that goes straight into the iPad 3 rumors. Yeah. Um, now, we've heard rumors for a long time that they'll pixel double this year on the iPad 3. That's what we're all hoping for. The screens were ready last year, but weren't, didn't get pushed out with the iPad 2. So this year seems about right. There's no, I, I think it's very unlikely that Apple's going to release an iPad this year with a 1024 by 768 screen, uh, especially when 1280 by 800 is pretty much a standard for 16 by 9 Android. I don't think they're going to release a 16 by 9 iPad. I don't think they do a 16 by 9 iPad either. Yeah. I think it'll be the pixel doubling the 20 
what is it? Um, two thousand twenty-one sixty yeah, by uh, whatever, whatever the pixel level of ten twenty-four by seven six eight is. Twenty forty-eight by. Uh, but the rumor 15, this week fifteen twenty thirty-six. Yeah, something by fifteen thirty-six. Yeah. Um, is that it'll be a quad core with uh, instead of a three G model, it'll have a four G LTE model, and it'll be Apple's first four G LTE device, mm-hmm. uh, which makes a lot of sense. And again, once you once you tried LTE, it's it's pretty great. Uh, Gary, you're not interested in this product because you have the MiFi. I've already got, uh, you know, I've got my LG, my LTE through my little device, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't need the uh, the LTE. But I'm, I, it's a bigger conversation. I'm actually on the fence. I, I know I say this every year, but I'm actually on the fence about the iPad three because I increasingly I don't use it that much anymore. Um, I think it's, the Retina display, the like, the, if, if it has the high res display, and when you look at it, you just go, holy shit. Then yeah, I'm probably gonna have to get one, but I don't need one because I don't. Even my iPad two kind of mostly gathers dust now. I use my MacBook Air a lot more. See, I use the iPad literally all. all if I'm at home, I'm usually using the iPad. And I know Norm's okay. gonna be all over it as well because he skipped the, I iPad, skipped too, the iPad two, so he's gonna have no he's, brainer. He's 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 been banking on the luxury of that double upgrade, yeah, which is always very sweet. Yeah, that's so, what I miss out on because I buy the new one every year because I'm an idiot. I only see the incremental upgrade, whereas Norm's going to get the double generation step up. It's like stepping into the future. Yeah, um, we'll see how that. I mean, we'll see all, how all this falls out. I, I'm still bearish on a 2560 by on, on a quad resolution iPad. I think that that's still a little crazy. So Jim Dalrymple, the guy who writes the the Loop blog, yes, uh, he's on uh, noted on Apple ours? blogger. No, he no, uh, he runs his own thing. Oh, um, oh, they, there's his infinite loop. Uh, he. Um, has said that through his sources, Apple will not have an event, a uh, product launch event in February. So it'll, you know, probably be March that we're hoping for. Um, if Samsung announces their super Android tablet, you know, running ice cream sandwich with 2560-1600 screen and quad core and, and maybe even LTE at Mobile World Congress, do you think that will have an impact on the iPad 3 launch? I don't think that Apple is really concerned about what's going on with Android tablets. I don't think Apple cares. At all, I actually but. think you know you always. It's interesting. Apple, I think, is a unique case sometimes because usually um, with corporations, you would say, "Well, if you if you're not looking at or you don't care about what your competitors are doing, that's really stupid and, and negligent." But I honestly think Apple doesn't. I don't think they give a shit. I don't think they. I don't think it affects them at all. People can say, "Oh, look, Samsung had it like you know a month earlier." Apple does not care. Sheer momentum. You're saying Apple is the honey badger of the phone world. Yes, tablet world. Yeah, Apple don't give a shit. Wow. I'm eating a snake. Yeah, Apple's eating I, a snake. I, I mean, I, I think that's, but I think that's, I think it's actually really true. I think, I think with the Android sales, tablet sales, I think phones are a different story. I think tablets, uh, Apple has, uh, I mean, always kind of keeping an eye out, obviously. And it's a very, I think they're looking at like the broader market, the zeitgeist, like the bigger, bigger picture. But like, I don't like the image of like the guy like bursting through some like a colleague's door at Apple and going. Holy shit! We might have to change something. Look at what Samsung just announced. Like that, I, that never happens there. I'm sure. They're, well, probably, I don't know, dude. Uh, you I, read I'd the book. That, I'd say that they're they're less reactive than other. They, they don't have to be reactive. Reactionary, but I, I, you mean? Or reactionary, but I think they do take some things into account. Um, but it was, it's a minuscule thing, and they're in a very like fortunate position. Like no other company can afford to be in that position. I think that right scene now. I just described happens in their legal department a lot. They're like, well, let's sue them. <laughs> That's probably true, but I don't think it affects their like product uh, line. I don't at know. All. I mean, they talked about changing changing uh, hard- hardware uh, 
but I, that was more because of what they could do, not because of what somebody else was doing. Right. So the things, the factors they consider when determining the timing of a launch, product launch, is how well their existing products are selling and what the state of manufacturing is. So where is the smart, supply chain? Where is the smart money right now on when the iPad 3 would be announced? March. Mid-March. Yeah. yeah April release. It'll be, I mean, that's the, – the, the calendar – it, you know, their, their yearly calendar is pretty established at this point. Yeah. yeah. Right? Uh, I, but, like, iPhones and iPods in the fall, like around late summer, September. Not, well, I think that's the big that. question. I think, I, I, yeah. But I'm saying that's the pattern right now. Some people are saying that the iPhone 5 could even be in the summer. Yeah. I think that they would, it would start to irritate people if, if they, I think if they, they, they I didn't think give they, their product a full year. I, I think, think if it's in the summer, it's summer 2013, not summer 2012. Um, no, I think well, well, you think they'll go a year without cycle. a new phone? Investors will never stand for that. It depends on how the iPhone 4S sells. Although, again, though, again, if I'm Tim Cook and my <laughs> investor's on the phone, I'm saying, are you really calling me up to fucking yeah. complain? Yeah. Did you see how much money we just made we for you motherfuckers? That. Yeah. What are you complaining about exactly? And you can he, only buy 10, phone and walks away. 10 fucking Learjets yeah. with what we just made you? What is your problem, the, bitch? I, I think that's how the investor. I think Gary. I think you should actually run the Apple investor call in the future. I I, I would. God, because you're in because you're in such a dominant position. You're like, I don't want to hear anything from you people except a round of applause. And, and right. So Tim send Cook me doesn't say a word. Of chocolates and flowers. Peter doesn't say a word. Just send me tributes. Yeah, they, they glance at. I don't Gary. want to hear a single fucking complaint <laughs> out of any of you. Right. Thirteen billion dollars drops the phone, walks away. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that happens that Excuse way. Excuse me, I have, I have an appointment with a contractor who's designing me a giant vault swimming pool. <laughs> um, I, I think the uh, I think we've talked about this enough. Uh, let's let's move on. Uh, did you see the the one mile self guided bullet, the laser guided that bullet? Came, I was on News I saw Day. something like that no. on CSI Miami. Yeah, it's well, pretty now cool. It's real. I've seen that on anime. Yeah, it's definitely an anime thing. It's like a bullet missile. It's a twelve inch or ten inch long bullet. It has fins and a sensor in the opening that actually detects the laser. So somebody gets up close, aims a laser at a guy, and then the bullet fires from like two miles away, 10 miles. Gene Simmons was doing that 20 years ago in Runaway. You ever see that movie? He had that bullet gun, could shoot bullets around corners. Well, it's like wanted, but not lame. Yeah. The point, the thing I wonder though, is if you can aim the laser from, like if you get close enough to hit the thing you want to kill with the laser, why not just shoot them with the gun? Laser sighting, laser targeting, you don't usually do that up close. You can get pretty close. No, you don't. You can, you can be on a hilltop and you laser target. Like rifle distance away? Yeah. Is this from Arma or is this from real life? It's from Arma they had this, and this, various games. This whole CSI um, episode was kind of interesting. It was based around like the murder of a Steve Jobs type. It was clearly meant to be a Steve Jobs type okay. figure. Uh, but he was in a wheelchair. He was like a cross between like Stephen Hawking and Steve Jobs. So he was like this genius guy. Um, and he'd been killed by a bullet he'd been shot on his rooftop okay. and they couldn't there was no line of sight you know usually they run like the lasers yeah. and the yeah. ropes and stuff and they figure out the different angles yeah, there's no yeah. line of sight and they had figured out they'd been killed with this bullet that he himself, his brother had been killed in Afghanistan or whatever by friendly fires like, well, I'm going to design the most accurate bullet ever made and it was a gun where you could again it's the same thing once you once you designated the target the bullet would just find it like it would go around corners and stuff it was ridiculous like it's fucking, why it, had little, CSI. it had tiny little little rudders that oh came God. out this, and like steered this bullet it bullet has rudders yeah ailerons and things oh and they would they could, they could, they could adjust its core yeah basically yeah yeah it was ridiculous um it's a real thing now so we got that going for us they should only make one of those bullets and i'm sure you guys also saw the aerodrones the quadrocopters flying in formation yeah, quadrocopters are fucking amazing, but also terrifying. They it's are. How, it's how uh, it's how uh, Judgment Day starts. I tell you what, badass. Did you see that thing uh, that apparently is in the new uh, defense 
but you know Obama's like restructuring the defense department. So we're going to spend less money, but we're going to make cooler stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things is like a floating uh, a base of operations that like they can launch commando raids and stuff. Oh, I remember that from G.I. Joe. Yeah. I remember that was from like James Bond, Toronto Never Dies. No, that was a stealth ship. That was a stealth, like, but it was that basically was a, a base. aircraft they, they, carrier, basically. Yeah, and they, they launched. I don't know. I know, I know, An I know aircraft the, carrier is a base that floats. You realize yeah, that? Yeah. But this is much. I think this is much smaller, and they yeah. can like get it. And they can deploy it places much yeah. quicker. They probably just drop it out of a Hercules or something, and it's oh, there like in in, like in, in six hours rather than six. And days. I want to talk about Act of Valor. You guys seen this this movie? No. The, the SEAL thing. The Navy SEAL oh, movie. This looks terrible. So apparently, uh, these filmmakers were hired by Navy to shoot like a promo video. And then they did such a good job that they turn into a full movie. Yeah, it's like real Navy SEALs. It's real Navy SEALs. And they, the real Navy SEALs are active duty SEALs yeah. that their names won't be in the credits. Right. Um, it's basically Modern Warfare, the movie, wow. based on the uh, description. Like they're, they're rescue like a captured CIA operative and then they you uncover to, a big plot to destroy the world. You have to decide whether or not you want to shoot the civilians in the Russian airport. Yeah, I, I don't think that's going to be in the movie. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, Relatively Media, uh, which made a ton of money last year with Limitless, the awesome pill. Uh, has so much money now. They they bought the movie for fifteen million dollars and have four Super Bowl ads this weekend. Yeah, I think. I mean, I can. See, I, I mean, Super I can Bowl? see. Yeah. I can see it doing well because you know it's, it feels patriotic. You know, the idea that it's real Navy SEALs and you know, and also for people like us, you always you, you want to feel comfortable in the authenticity of it. And so yeah. I feel I feel pretty comfortable that these guys are doing what that this is a real depiction because right. so these they are the real dudes. It, they shot in real training facilities using live fire because Navy SEALs train with live fire. They don't use no don't no use no rubber bullets, no blanks. Serious okay. shit. Yeah, uh, it's cool. They also shot it with Canon five D Mark IIs, so it's oh, all shot with DSLR cameras. And in the uh, behind the scenes clip, um, I think the movie. I don't know if the movie's gonna be good. I feel kind of bad promoting it. But when they were shooting the cam uh, the the movie, they had like the director, cinematographers laying on their back with like just a DSLR, and on the viewfinder in the back, they had like two pieces of tape for their crop for their cinematic ah, crop. Oh wow! Because um, it's not really meant to shoot. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You know, widescreen stuff. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of interested. Oh, yeah, it could be interesting. It's certainly an interesting way to make a movie. I mean, it can't be worse than the last movie featuring Navy, Navy SEALs, which was Navy SEALs with Charlie Sheen. No, there are Navy SEALs in the movies all the time. Yeah, but, it, but the, that was the movie about like The last Navy one I actually SEALs. made about yeah. them. Yeah, okay. that was a terrible movie. Remember he jumps off of the car going over a bridge? It's the only thing I remember. She, like jumps out of the back of a 4x4 Wrangler over the edge of a bridge and then dives 200 feet into the water. Michael Bean has made a good career at playing oh. Navy SEALs. Who's Michael Bean? Michael Bean, Terminator. Oh, Kyle Reese. Because oh, oh, right, right. he was Come the head on. of the Navy SEALs in The Rock, the Rock as yeah. well. Oh, yeah. That, that, see, that's good Navy SEALs. Hey, I cannot pre- do that. There was some, I will not give that order. There was some badass Navy SEALs. Yeah. They all got murdered. But it was, why, yeah. why is there a prequel to The Watchmen and not a prequel to The Rock? Oh, what totally would, really what would the prequel to The Rock be? It's Ed Harris. It's the, it's the Ed Harris story. I'd rather see the Sean Connery story. Well, that's good, too. Well, that's Either that's of those James works. Bond. That's, right, that's all the James Bond oh, movies. Oh yeah, I guess yeah. What Norm said, but but the Ed Harris story seems like it'd be good too, like the Afghanistan going horribly. What was it? He was people died on black mission. Black. Well, it was interesting. And in the uh, this is this is an example of sometimes of how like developing a script can really make it better because the original version of that script when it was written back in the day of The Rock, yes, okay, was that they were ex-military and they were badass commandos, but they were ju- they were just it was just money. They wanted like diamonds or something. Oh. And I think you know somewhere on the line, Bruckheimer. Oh, it was what, the Rock, and then it's about okay. I well, I mean, maybe I don't, I don't remember. But they, but they, <laughs> they, it was, it was basically just a high. It was basically kind of more like a diehard type high. Like we're holding hostages, oh. and you will yeah. give us this ransom. And somewhere on the line, it was decided that we need to make it would be more interesting if we make these bad guys 
Patrons. Still dangerous, but more sympathetic. Like, give him, uh, give him a more interesting motive, which was this guy had gotten sick of he all, all of the men under his, under his command, like being disavowed, and he lost a lot of men on black yeah. missions. And, mm-hmm. and then th- those no guys never got, yeah, and, yeah. And all he wanted was that for those families to be given some kind of restitution. Mm-hmm. So what he was doing was obviously an act of terrorism, but it was at least more interesting. And, they, and of course, they, redeem, they were able to redeem him at the end well, because of it. And it makes Ed Harris a likable character yeah. instead of a, a, just yeah. an out-and-out out And you still have the su- fucking stone-cold psychos on right. The mercenaries. Yeah. yeah. Right. The interesting thing about that is like the Die Hard effect. The, one of the things that's happened with Die Hard since 9-11 is it's much more interesting. That twist is much better now, I think, in a world that is afraid of terrorists right. much more than right. it was in like 1986. Because right. you watch that and you're like, oh, shit, it's a terrorism movie. You see that for the yeah, first time. Yeah, it's actually today. interesting it's, to it's, go back to like that and realize that that was made in 88 when really America didn't have much of a co- – terrorism was, was something that happened to other people. Yeah, in Beirut. Yeah. Yeah, so and, – and Ireland. And, yeah. And, ter- and, and, it, and that's the weird thing. Terrorism, you know, up until then I think in the United States was almost somewhat romanticized because of the, because of the IRI. Yeah. Like people thought that you – know, Thought of them as you know freedom fighters or whatever. Well, in the eighties, and now I think you know ter- terrorism is kind of obviously now that it's it's yeah. here. They would come to bars and raise money for for the the legitimate front of the IRA in yeah. the United States, and I don't think that would happen anymore. Because the IRA is not really a it's a different different yeah it's a different world well today. Um, uh, Intel launches a bunch of new of new Sandy Bridge CPUs. Do we care? Um, they're they're it's a, a very quiet launch. Seven new CPUs, some Celeron processors. Bunch of them qualify for the new overclocking warranty. Um, like like Lloyd said last week, there's no problem buying Sandy Bridge CPUs now it, because Ivy Bridge really is just uh, the better built-in graphics and uh, different process. Um, so if you have your if you have 1155 motherboard and you you know and you're looking to upgrade, it's giving you life to your 1155 yeah. motherboard basically. That's good. Yeah, and those K those KCPUs are the ones that have uh, the Over, overclocking yes. warranty, right? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Office 15, A, there have been 15 versions of Office. I didn't, I mean, that's crazy. I guess when they switch to the yearly numbering scheme, you, you kind of lose track. But B, they're not going to use Metro, which seems like, like we learned. That's a rumor, but yes. It, well, given the release schedules and all that, it seems pretty likely. Um, it means that there won't be Metro compatible front ends with Office, and probably there'll be separate add ons later that give you that functionality to, to, to Windows 8 ARM tablets. I care so little about Microsoft Office now. I when thought was the last yeah, time there's, so many, there's so many better ways yeah. to work. Like, if you asked me three years ago, what are my essential, you know, when I reinstall Windows or install Windows yeah. 7, what are the first things I got to install? Well, you got to install, you know, Adobe Photoshop. I got to install like a chat client, Google Chrome. Back then, I guess I had Firefox and, and Microsoft Office because I need Did you Word. take Firefox off the list? Firefox 10 is not interesting. I put me. that on the list and then you took it off the list. I, I actually did take it off the list. I was going to – it was on there just so I could say, hey, Firefox 10 came out. Does and anybody then I, care? I literally took it off the list because I cared so little about it. I just wanted to be able to say, does anybody care about Firefox 10? Do you no. care about Firefox 10, no. Norm? No. Do you care about Firefox 10? No. No. Okay. Um, Good but, talk. Office today, I don't think it would be even an essential install. No, you'd use Google Docs or um, you know the only any thing, of the other options that are the, out. The best there. part of Office, I think, is Excel, and even Excel has a lot of Outlook. problems. Outlook is the part of Office that people say they can't live without. I mean, this is this you know the reason why Office persists is because it's it's the embedded system for so many businesses. It's what IT supports. It's just what you use. But I think if you were Start, you know, and, and again, if you've got a lot of work that you're bringing home from the office yeah. and you want a compatible system, but if you're just looking to do your own thing, if you're writing, you papers don't need in Microsoft college. Office. Here, here's the thing: this is one of those places where we live in a special world, because if you are in a big business, 
and you have a spreadsheet that 20 different people work on, Office is the way you do that. Like right. Google Docs is great, but it is woefully inadequate and you get to large data sets and massive, massive data files. Yeah. Um, so that there, there is definitely a place for Office. But Office for the home user is, is I think, a thing of the past probably except for the – Bringing work. I agree, especially considering it's, it's relatively what, you don't expensive. Like Word and there are free alternatives. Well, when you bring work, when you bring office work home now, usually you bring it home on your work issued laptop. So it's right. not like you need to copy too. Excel on that your too. home machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The problem. Oh, the thing with Excel that bugs me um, is the window management. Like I don't know if you guys use Excel frequently. Yeah. It, it, no, I hate Excel. I don't hate it. I just have no use for it. Yeah, it's not a thing in your. But you know how, like in in Word, when you open multiple instances of Word, yeah. it is a separate instance. With Excel, it's one instance with multiple windows yeah. and yeah, there's you, no easy way to tile them. You and, used to be able to change that and put it in the normal window manager. And I don't know how that works with the current versions of Office, of Excel. Yeah, maybe there's a way. Um, the thing that I find is using Google Docs, because I use Google Docs for everything these days, um, things like type ahead formula search and all that is much, much better and much further along in Excel, obviously, than it is in Google Docs. But for most of what I use, the convenience of being able to share it easily and have it accessible on all the different machines I use in my phone, my tablet, and all that far outweighs the extra time setting up uh, a spreadsheet. Than the, the. Anyway, I think we're a special case. I think we're, I think we're edge cases on this. But I, I think it's probably indicative of where the future is going. The uh, bigger story for this is that it seems like uh, this is a mistake for Microsoft for Metro because if they're not going to do, they're not going to launch yeah. Windows 8 or and Office 15 with a Metro version, then it really gives. It, it's not like they're committing fully. To it's Metro. the same. It's the same. Literally, the same thing happened with uh, touch interfaces the first time they tried to push touch in 2001, 2002. You know, Microsoft released XP Tablet Edition, and then Office continued to not support Pen. For the next 10 years and that without office support, that killed it. The point I think – the thing that's changed now is I don't think office support is absolutely vital to new initiatives from Microsoft. I don't think it's important. I don't think it's as important as it was 10 years ago because 10 years ago, office was a a must-have piece of software. I don't think it is anymore. Um, uh, Windows Phone 8 news. Oh, yeah. This just came out like as we started the podcast. Um, So – uh, Microsoft has a video with uh, Joe uh, Belf- Belfiore, Belfour, Belfour, um, talking about uh, Windows 8 Apollo. Now, uh, Windows phones, uh, Windows phone, waiting for Windows 8 7. Starbuck. Personally, they just call it Windows Phone now, right? They do. That's the that's the version how it's number is seven. Um, I don't know how Tango is numbered. A seven point five is Mango. Seven point five is Mango. Um, and I, we assume eight is Apollo. Um, and he outlines a bunch of changes. I haven't read it completely, but basically they'll have support for different hardware. It won't be as fixed hardware as it currently is. So you have multi-core support, different resolution support, micro SD cards, NFC radios. Um, one thing that people are kind of, at least immediate, the immediate gut reaction they're outraged about is that um, they're kind of doing away with the Zune software um, to sync with Windows 8, and they've described a new piece of software which uh, some people are, are Afraid it'll be Active Sync again to sync Windows Ew. 8 with your phone. I don't think they're going to regress back There's to Active no Sync. I think it's, the lessons they learned from Zune, it'll just be the Zune software, but without all the music stuff. The, the, maybe. I, I mean, right now, the Zune software, the reason you use Zune software with Windows is to update the software and to put music on the phone, right? So it's, it'll basically be like the Mac connector is what my I mean it, Microsoft's clear direction on Windows going forward both on the phone and on the desktop and tablet is syncing through live 
Like that is their that is the way they're going to get you into live because because they want people using live. Yeah. For reasons that no live and SkyDrive and all their their. They're not even calling SkyDrive SkyDrive anymore. It's just live. It's live data. I I mean, it may may still be labeled SkyDrive, but um, it's just the way you sync settings and and files and stuff like that between multiple devices. I think it's. I mean, Apollo looks like it'll be a good upgrade to Windows Windows Phone right now. Wow, condescending iPhone user update. No, I think it'll be. I think it'll be genuinely good. Yeah, I'm. I'm, They're doing a nice job. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, good for them. Yeah. (laughs) Pat in the head. <laughs> yeah, you guys are so cute over there. There's, with there's always a share. horse in Redmond that suits up and runs. I'm just yes. going to describe every time they announce something exciting new initiative. I'm just going to call it adorable. <laughs> That's adorable. Oh, oh look. I just want to pinch his little rosy cheeks. Tesla pricing has been announced for the coupe for the S. Sock it to me. It's a saloon. It's a saloon. Is it's that what they call it? Oh, that's what it means. Okay. It's a, it doesn't it's matter AI. if I can afford it or not. I'm going to be on the back of a very long waiting list, aren't I? Yes. If you should put, put your name on the list right now. I've got to do the Jerry Seinfeld thing. Oh yeah, the Honda. You got access to my uh, my San Francisco my personal uh, zip lines. Zip line. That's right. Downtown San Francisco what? from Transamerica Building all the way to Golden Gate Bridge. Wait, what? Have you not <laughs> seen? Oh, you haven't seen the commercial? Uh, I don't watch commercials. Seinfeld okay. has. Uh, he's. The, a lot of the Super Bowl that. spots are already yeah. going online. That's no fun. Yeah, I know. It kind of takes away from the Why event. would you watch the game then? Well, I mean, it's a good it's way to spot the, the you know, so you don't have to worry about missing them. But they all get shown afterwards. It's like, why would you tease these ahead of time? They, yeah. they, the whole spots that are YouTube out there. Page, it's not that's one of the biggest YouTube from, pages of the year. Yeah. But it's not going to stop people yeah. from watching the Super Bowl. Any, yeah, it's of course. It's additional exposure to the They just want it to be as viral as possible. By the way, that Acura concept looks pretty sweet, don't you think? That car looks nice. Wasn't it for a Honda? It was oh, like an NSX. Sure. Oh, it was an Acura, yeah. Yeah, well, they're bringing Acura. back the NSX. See, I don't even know what the brand. It's, a, it's a, oh, an Acura NSX concept, and it looks pretty oh sweet. Oh, my God. That but was the, the commercial, the I'll show it to oh, you. Yeah. The commercial was very amusing. Yeah. Uh, so, so, in terms of the car commercials for the Super Bowl, yeah. it's one of the better ones. But anyway, the Model S, which is Sananda announced uh, two years ago, finally yeah. coming to production this year. Come on. Um, so, we know the base price for the. Uh, is fifty thousand dollars? That's what they've always targeted. So this is the this is the iPod Touch version of the Tesla. S. Well, no, this is the white i a MacBook, the white MacBook version. It has a shitty and battery and no features, right? Yeah. So what do when you say no features? What okay? Do you well, mean? let me fifty thousand dollars. This is after, of course, a seventy five hundred dollars federal tax credit. Yeah, so that's really, nice. You're, you're paying, you know, fifty eight thousand, fifty seven thousand dollars for this. You get a forty kilowatt hour battery, which has a range. Of oh my god, what's what's the range? Uh, One hundred sixty miles. That's okay, not so an eighty mile round trip. Basically, is all you're making. Yes. Zero to sixty in six point five. Top speed of one hundred ten. Right. Come on, give me the fully loaded. That's what I so, want. But hold on, what do you, what do you get with that? That you like? Do you have that giant touch screen and stuff? You get, you, Can you browse? You, you the always web? get the touch screen. Everyone gets the touch screen. Okay. Uh, you don't get the leather seats. You oh, get limited color options. Leather. Yeah. You, you don't get you don't get uh, the. You know, the, the giant roof. Glass, you know, the black roof, no all glass panoramic metal roof. roof. Only 19-inch tires. Oh, oh, come on. Oh, what kind of peasant would have you seen? I wouldn't be seen dead in that. <laughs> Microfiber instead of leather. Oh, oh I kind of like that. Then if fuck. you're not wearing pants, think how comfortable that's going to be. So Slidey. Uh, and the worst part is that if you go for the $50,000 version, uh, you don't even get your car until – after all the people who bought the nice version, oh, they put the cars. people who buy the expensive version ahead of you, yes. as it should be. If you if you pay the maxed out ninety seven nine hundred 
dollar version. Okay, so it's a hundred grand. grand. So it's double oh, wow. the price between yeah. the base entry and the top end is double the price of the car. I'm just to be go fair, there are many steps in those. So this is the seventeen-inch right, MacBook Pro version. Uh, yes, has the 85, 85 kilowatt hour battery, which right. is three hundred miles, double. Now, now you're talking zero to sixty in four point four seconds. Max speed of one hundred thirty miles per hour. And uh, and you get basically all the features included. This is a signature edition, right? Um, you get your twenty-one inch tires, Napa leather. Oh, so if I get that, can I get to the front of the queue? Then you'll get the car this summer. <laughs> That's this such <laughs> bullshit. This summer, summer two thousand twelve. Could, t- could be time for a little straight uh, from the Numi plant. Could be time for a one percent purchase. Oh no, no, yeah. 300 miles. The thing about that car is literally you're going to be – the all-electric cars, I think it's still not – you can't charge them most places. That's the – well, but the thing is – It's like a it's, driving it's around just, town car. Well, no, but with a, on a 300-mile-round trip, I mean you could – I mean I could drive to the wine country. I Can could you drive, get to L.A. and back? Oh, no, I, couldn't, fiber not, I couldn't even get all the way to L.A. Right. So, so it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be for that. It's like but a that's Bay Area very, cruiser. That, yeah, basically, it's going to get you. It's going to get you almost anywhere in the Bay Area on a day trip, as long as at the end of the day you can return it home to whatever your charge point is. Yeah. So here's yeah. The, but the cheapest. Right. The charge points aren't reliable in any way. Tech reliable. package comes bundled with the uh, anything okay. but the cheapest version. What's the tech turn by turn navigation, high definition backup camera, high definition, automatic keyless entry, so the handles pop out when you get oh, close. Oh, that's pretty cool. Xenon headlights, LED fog lights, uh, electrochromatic side mirrors. So maybe I, real lift, lift so maybe there's a version for me somewhere in between the base and the crazy there, end. There it is. seems like the smart place on this is to get the the cheapest one you can with the best battery. Tesla Quest 2012? No. No, I, I if I'm buying anything I'm I'm buying The Model a cheap S can car. charge from almost any outlet anywhere. I wasn't asking you, I was asking Norm. He's the real 1%. Well, he is 1%. Plugs norm. directly into 110 and 240 watt uh, volt outlets. Come on Norm. So it's time to sell that Lexus. Oh no. If Gina's watching, oh, check no. your text messages. I had a question. It's <laughs> can relevant. I, can I buy a Tesla? <laughs> no, no, it is not. Can I buy a Tesla? Um, let's uh, move on to talk yeah, about. If it doesn't come with Mr. Mr. Fusion, I don't want it. You, I think you're going to have a long. I think you'll be waiting past 2015 for that. You yeah. don't buy first generation Apple products, but you'll buy the first generation electric car. This isn't it's the first generation. First generation electric the, car. The, the, roaster, the original yeah. Tesla was the first yeah. generation. This is second generation. This is the years. time to jump in. Oh God! Such as by the second <laughs> year of this car. Uh, we'll made in America, will. That is true. It is made in America. Somebody, someone's got to start the electric adoption to get this. Uh, you know, get the environment fixed. It's saying you got to kick it loose. Man, I've been playing Bombcast this entire time, apparently. Uh, that sucks. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, well done. Apple's uh, Apple, Ron Johnson, not the guy from Parks and Rec. That's Ron Swanson. Ron Swanson. Yeah. Oh, my bad. Uh, and not Cave Johnson. That's the guy from Cave, Aperture uh, yeah. Science. Okay, so neither of those guys, but Ron Johnson. Who Ron sounds, Johnson. Sounds like he should own a surf, surf shop It, or it sounds like a guy that should be played by, like, Will Ferrell in a movie or something. Yeah. Um. He is a he was Apple's um, director of retail, retail, right? And he was brought in by Steve Jobs ten years ago to yeah. start their retail. Diverse. And Apple, by the way, has now just brought in a guy from the UK yes, to we'll run talk the about retail side. Um, so Ron Johnson came from Target beforehand, right? Uh, and then basically created Apple's retail business. Left, which is like a very bold thing to so do. He's probably a guy's pretty, pretty smart retail guy. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the birthplace of the Apple store. It's either him or Jobs, right? 
Yeah. Because the the Apple stores are a big part of the success story. Yes, yes. 300 Apple stores. The Apple retail experience is very unique. So he's gone to work someplace uh, very similar. Well, he's he's gone to work at JCPenney. We talked about this in the podcast last week. And uh, he did this great interview with AP um, about how he wants to change JCPenney, which is a monumental challenge. Because it's just been a struggling brand for a while. Well, yeah, it's a, if you want your sweet Arizona jeans, you go to JCPenney. Well, the big big box department stores have been suffering largely because of the Amazons and the, the JCPenney. Well, big box is, and department are different. Well, I guess they're a department store. Yeah, they're a department store. Um, JCPenney, I, and I think there is a new one in like Saramonte, right? It's, they're there is one in Saramonte. It's been there for a while. Yeah, it's, it's where the old Montgomery Ward used but to be. But JCPenney, there's something kind of like naff. The, the, like the brand is just not exciting not to hip. people. Exactly. Which like is, Sears and JCPenney yeah. are both kind of in that same yeah. spot, I the, think. Yeah, the thing, the thing, when I think about JCPenney, all I think is, wow, those stores are always really dark. Like the, well, not dark. They're always so messy. No, no, no. Dark. Goodies is messy. Coles uh, uh, is messy. Huh. JC yeah, Penny Kmart and Big Lots, those are messy. Yeah. JC Penny, I always like, it was always dim. Like, you'd go inside and you'd have to kind of, like, you'd go put on clothes and find the mirror with the light in front of it. Yeah. Also, like, my Ross, places there. like that. Yeah. Yeah. You could, if you want to get a real cool, like, sweater and polyester pants set for a lady, yeah. perfect place to put it. But, like, that Target, up. for example, has done a great job of make, making itself like a fairly cool brand. And Walmart is just everywhere. Well, no, Tar- and even they rebranded themselves recently to try and make themselves a bit more hip. Well, Target's struggling a little bit now, Tar- too. Target's brand is, is classy Walmart. It right. Is. It is. And now supermarkets in urban, yeah. in urban areas. Yeah. Um, so I'm fascinated by how Ron Johnson is going to change JCPenney. So what's this three-color pricing yeah, thing Yeah, I actually saw this on Twitter. It's, I think it's the first promoted twi- tweet. That I actually clicked the well, link on. And there's a TV campaign. I mean, there's a whole push yes. behind this red, white, and blue it's thing. Red, white, and blue. Red prices. And, and I, I'm amazed. I know this now. Like, it's red prices mean everyday low prices. Yeah. Uh, white means once uh, a month. Right. Uh, the, the low prices for the month. And blue means uh, twice a month. Uh, they are the bo- rock bottom prices that, that you have to get a follow. I mean, the, I, I understand the, the, the fourth week. The, 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 the supposed simplicity of it, but I don't really get it. Well, you look for the red prices. I mean, I think the color scheme... Well, no, you would look for the white and the blue prices right, the most because the they're blue. the best bargains, right? And the right? blue ones are the ones you want to go to the store. And this assumes you trust and them they've re- to And they've redone their whole branding around this red, white, and blue color scheme to make yeah. themselves feel like very patriotic and like the American yeah. place to yeah. go shop. Yeah. They want to be America's favorite store. And uh, I think he wants to completely remodel all the JCPenney's so they become kind of like Apple stores. It, I mean, it does have... The, the brand awareness in that it's just one of those places that you th- that's been around forever. It feels like a very quintessentially American yeah. thing, JC Penny. It's just not cool. Well, the mistake they made was going to off brand stuff, like store brand stuff, fifteen years ago because that that doesn't hold anymore. Right. I, I don't know. I I think that that I think that in much the same way that Sears is doomed, I think that the era of that kind of store is is. Waning, which is why it's a bargain department store. I think the the if you look at like Nordstrom's and and Neiman Marcus and the the super super high end stuff, they can provide a service that people who are in that price range are willing to pay for. Uh, but I think at the low end, it's going to be real hard to compete with mail order. It's the well, same, and, and, which and, is and, ironic because Sears and JCPenney started as mail order. Not when you say mail order, I mean Amazon. I'm talking about. I mean, internet superstore. You would think though that this is the time for these places to do well because everyone's looking to save money right now. <laughs> Except for their money. overhead is so much because having 50 million locations is crazy expensive. Hiring 300 people per store is crazy expensive. You know, the the number of people serviced per employee is a really really important number. It's how Netflix destroyed Blockbuster. 
and it's how Amazon but is they're destroying not, retail. They, they're not trying to compete on price. They're starting with a simplified pricing strategy, but they complete, he completely acknowledges they will not have the lowest price. They're not looking to be the store at the lowest price. They're looking to be your favorite store. Well, if they're trying to – like if they want to bring in Nordstrom's type customer service, like – I don't know if you remember when Nordstrom's was a new thing in the mid-'80s and you'd hear these incredible stories about a dude who worked at Nordstrom's and drove 300 miles to get a pair of shoes for somebody and then brought it to your house. Yeah, like that kind of stuff. The myth of customer service. Yeah. Right. I mean it was never true or true in very limited cases. But But it's kind of like the first thing you associate with Nordstrom, whether you actually experience it or not. 20 years later. The thing is if JCPenney isn't going to be able to compete with them at that level, then then they're fucked. I think I think that there's no win for JCPenney or Sears or but, you know the the, quali- the quality of the of the retail experience I think counts perhaps, even though people are ultimately concerned with price the quality of the experience yeah. counts if somebody like, launched a Best Buy competitor where they where their deal is hey we're never going to try to sell an extended warranty to you I would never go to Best Buy again well I don't like to go to I mean I don't like to go to Best Buy because I, I very rarely have a good experience there right like the the, the, the staff feel like you know they can't really be bothered. They're not that knowledgeable. Like it's just generally kind of grim. Well, I mean, there are high points and low points, but the low points seem to outweigh the highs. Yeah. Um, anyway, I don't know if we want to talk about this. So uh, Apple has hired someone new to replace Ron Johnson. Okay. Yeah. Is it Ron Swanson or Christy no. Swanson or nope. Ron Burgundy? Nope. 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 Uh, I've read the guy's name, time. but he used to run Dixon's. Dixon's in the UK, which the is UK. a big. Uh, What's Dixon's? It's a chain electronics retailer. It's kind of like City? Circuit City here. Yeah. Is it um, dark? What's surprising is that all, all the reports say that Dixon's is a terrible shopping experience. It was, well, it certainly was when I lived there. It's I mean, one of the a long time. worst rated consumer uh, shopping experiences in the UK. That doesn't sound good. And yet the guy who ran that the operation is now going to run Apple's retail system. Maybe he was incredibly profitable. See, this is the thing we were talking about. And before. it's not like he has to reinvent the wheel or anything. I mean, the re, you know, it's the, the hard work, I think, of establishing the retail Apple retail well, brand has mostly I, been done. I, you know, I disagree. I think we're reaching the point with the Apple stores where when they opened, you walked into those stores and you felt like they were from five years in the future. And now they do not feel like they are five years in the future anymore. Really? Have you been common. to – There aren't a lot of other retail ones? experiences that are like the Apple stores. Huh? Have you been to – I mean – I have not been to Shanghai, no. Yeah, or, or the, the ones in New York. I've never been to those, but those still look like But the, the furnishings the and stuff are still – like the architecture, yes, but the furnishings inside still feels like the same Apple store. It's at Stonetown, Stonetown Mall. True, but I don't know any it's, other store that has that. Well – The but, Windows ones, but they just ripped it off. I guess my point is you can only – in order to feel like you're from five years in the future, you have to keep changing. You can't just keep the same thing. Because as soon as Microsoft and and you know whoever else clothing retailer number seven does the same thing, you f- you feel old. And frankly, the Apple stores always felt, with the exception of the architecture and the glass, always felt a little bit like gaps. Like it's the same kind of light wood yeah, IKEA yeah, tables and very, stra- very angular and yeah, bright lights, very bright fluorescent yeah. lights and and all that big pictures, friendly happy pictures. And Are they still they still tend to stand out in malls though compared to the shops around it, them. It, if you look at like <laughs> videos of when first Apple stores opened and looking at the Apple store now, I think you'll find there are more way more differences. Agreed, but I mean, than you think at some point there has to be a something has to change in the not too distant future. Well, the MacBooks. I mean, aluminum MacBooks are still a thing, right? So. I, I think that when we see the next body change on the on the laptops, the stores will change too. Um, I mean, there's digital signage now. I'm all, everything's wrong with iPads. That was the last big change. iPads for Apple don't feel like the future anymore, Norm. I don't want to break this to you. I, yeah, I mean, every all those you know uh, the high price clothing stores all use iPads too. Right. Lockdown iPads. For, right. Yeah, I go to restaurants that have iPads as yeah. menus. Um, MacWorld was last week. 
Yeah, I, I kind of wanted to go. No, you didn't. Um, I no, said, I, hey, I definitely... you should go this afternoon to Macworld. And you're like, no, I got better eh, stuff to do. I got better stuff to do. Yeah. Um, but uh, Macworld, 2009 was, I guess, the last year that Apple had uh, a real presence at Macworld. Um, and now they kind of rebranded it to iWorld. Um, and reading the reports from everyone who, who went, uh, it definitely felt like it was more uh, iOS. Convention. It's a consumer show. Uh, kind of. Uh, the lines were really long, apparently, on the weekend. I mean, there's still a lot of people want to go in. Uh, there are 250 exhibitors. And um, I described it uh, based on the photos I saw as like, you know, CES North Hall, but transposed to uh, the Moscone West uh, Convention Center. But I, I think it's still a good place for people who like Apple and who love Apple, which, which there are way more now. It feels a lot less of people like who a, love Apple. Like an insider club. And it's less beardy now, I would think. Yeah, uh, to just meet up and um, discover apps and, and look at accessories and buy cases. That sounds um, like yeah. There's a lot of retail presence on the floor, yeah. like retail business yeah. happening on the floor. Yeah, you got to get your thirty five dollars worth out you know, of that badge, man. I had that idea with Jeremy Williams way back when we worked at Future, and this is like maybe two thousand eight about wanting to start a cafe where people would share apps and uh, and get free Wi Fi and stuff. And the have app a, it, Well, regardless of what the name Cap-fay? was, cafe. And I still think if we had done that back then, it would it would be packed. Cap Pacino with all APP in there? It would have made so much money. How are you going to make money selling apps? No, no, you don't, no, no. You sell coffee and you sell expensive coffee and, and it's a Starbucks, but it's more tied with you know, the app experience. Because when people first got iPhones, what was the first thing we all did and when, when we jailbroke our iPhones? Well, the, when we first got iPhones, the first thing we did was jailbroke them and got a bunch and, of and free we, pirate and apps. We, and then we talked to each other, hey, what app did you get today? What app did you get today? That is... The iOS culture. That's why we do App of the Day. That's what Twitter is for. Well, and App of the Day is for. Yes. Yes. So you're saying we've gone beyond your idea. At no, this I, point. Think, I think if a cafe did that, people would go. I think the nothing but cereal cafe is the way to go. No, that's five years ago. Yeah. Now that's, that's a doomed idea. Nothing but carbs. Uh, dead product category alert. Um, so a bunch of ca- ca- uh, camera manufacturers announced new point-and-shoots. Canon, Canon sacked their CEO this week. Oh, yeah. The, uh, big losses. Uh, but I think Sony and Panasonic uh, both announced new point-and-shoots. And, shoots. and um, I took a meeting with Sony uh, earlier in the month about these cameras. And in, during the presentation, uh, they pointed out that year-over-year point-and-shoots have uh, fallen in sales by 20% just in America. Um, I don't yeah. know why they're still making point and shoots. I uh, we've had this conversation. I don't think any of us know why they make point and shoots. Still. Well, you Look, know, well, because people want hundred hundred and fifty dollar cameras that aren't right. their phones. Yeah, and they all sell during the holiday season. Yeah, when people are shopping online or at a Best Buy, it's a gift. It it, it is. It doesn't a, have an annual yep. contract attached to yep. it. Yeah, and they still the number one thing they look to is megapixels. Okay, and Sony's said that if they took away that megapixel number and just talked about image quality, right? They would not sell any products. They would be crippled. Yeah, yeah. Because unfortunately, people still look at megapixels. They look at zoom. That's their number two thing. Numbers. Yeah, twenty x zoom, twenty you know, twelve megapixels, and and then the price. Well, this is a textbook case of the race to the bottom, right? It's the same. It's the same exact thing that happened uh, with PCs, where we had clock speeds at first, and then AMD had faster clocks. Faster performance at lower clocks, so they changed to a performance rating. Then Intel had to change their performance rating too, and so you end up just having increasingly large numbers that mean less every time they increment. 
Uh, and then they have to start differentiating on price, so the price goes down and down and down and down. And down. I must, I must just, and it's like shoes have have made faulty assumptions about this market because we talk all the time about how smartphones are going to be, you know, putting point and shoots out of business because that's the low end where smartphones are most competitive against them. Yeah, and yeah, they keep bringing out these. Numbers. The reality must be, I guess, that for now at least, there's still money to be made in, in point. Well, and there's shoots. a massive number of people who don't have smartphones with good cameras, right? Right. I mean, if you have, if you, it's it's the thing that I saw this week that said twenty percent of people who walk into T-Mobile stores have no interest in anything but the free phones. Right. So literally, they're going in to buy into a contract that's going to cost them eighty dollars a month for two years or maybe three years, and all they want to talk about is but still, not spending two hundred. If you look at the number of Android phones and iPhones that are being sold every year, we know that has got to be making a dent. There's plenty of people like us out there that are like, I don't need to carry a point and shoot because I've got this camera's good enough. Absolutely. So it's it must be eating into it, just not enough that they feel like well, it's a, it's you know not, not still a market to be served. Twenty percent. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, I guess that does it for news. Is that everything? Did, we get, did I miss anything? I think we went down the list relatively yeah. effectively. Uh, Firefox 10 is out. We, don't, we already established nobody cares. Yeah. I just wanted to, I wanted to get one more hit in. Uh, I'm going to play some music, and then let's talk about what we have been testing. Hey, Gary, what have you been testing? Uh, I've been testing a few things. Uh, primarily, I suppose, uh, Norm talked me into getting that camera that he bought recently. And um, again, actually, the, just, just to segue out of the conversation we just had, I was a little, I was a little um, concerned about whether or not I really needed a dedicated camera when I'm pretty happy with the one I've got in my phone. And I'm, you know, I'm very big on I just want to carry one well, device. Well, has an SLR too, right? She's yeah, like but a rebel rarely uses like it, but yeah. Um, and I've got, I've also got a little Canon point and shoot, like just, you know, things that I've collected over the years, but I rarely use anything other than my phone. Um, but I've been on some trips lately and I've certainly got things coming up where, you know, you want to make sure you get the best photo possible. And so I was thinking maybe a dedicated camera and Norm's been really talking up this Sony camera that he, that he got recently. And not uh, just because I bought it, but because I genuinely believe it is for that price, a Amazing camera. Yeah, and I'm very pleased that I got it. I took a bunch of pictures with it lately, and it's yeah, as good as the iPhone 4S camera is. You know, a, a dedicated $500 camera with like a real lens and all the high-end dedicated, you know, optics and stuff. The the pictures are demonstrably better, and I'm I'm, I'm glad to have it. And I, certainly, any anytime you're just on, you know, that, that old quote about the camera, best camera is the one you have on you. Yes, that's still true. Most of the time, I'm only going to carry my phone. And a quick snapshot is good enough. But if you're going someplace where you know, oh, I'm going to want to get really good pictures, then this is this is right. a good camera to You have. bought the one with the fixed lens. I walked you through <laughs> – we had a Google Hangout where I walked you through some of the settings. Um, you were primarily using this as a, a point-and-shoot. You were just going to not fiddle the settings at all um, in terms of changing ISO. Or yeah, and that's how I've been using and, it. And you've been happy with the picture is just pressing the button? Uh, yeah, just it, the intelligent auto mode uh, I have found – is good enough. I know mm-hmm. that you like to tweak a little bit more because you're a little more of a of a, yeah. of a photographer than I am, um, and that's great. It's very customizable. I, I love this this whole um, what is it called? Micro Four Three. This, this uh, whole mirrorless. Ca- yeah, mirror the mirrorless. mirrorless um, Micro Four Thirds is Panasonic and, and um, okay. Yeah, well, this mirrorless camera that it, it's it's great in that it's it's all the ease of use of a point of shoot basically, but you know high, closer to a DSLR level quality of picture. Yeah. So that's yes. very cool. And I, I maintain, I tweeted about this earlier today, I think those can, uh, camera manufacturers completely underestimated the power uh, of these cameras. And when they launched, they were, they, they're underpriced uh, 
for $500, you're getting more than $500 worth of features if you actually use the camera it's one regularly. Of those, it's one of those magical situations where uh, literally somebody's trying to make a new market, so they're pricing something that's way overvalued at a very competitive price. Right, because they don't know um, how people are going to accept it, right? right? Um, and now, you know, three generations in, you know, for, for Panasonic, for Micro Four Thirds, four generations in, uh, all the new mirrorless cameras are now being launched at seven hundred and fifty, even twelve hundred dollars, because now they are real DSLR alternatives and they right. can be priced to match. Again, if somebody were to come to me and say, you know, I've got like a, you know, a, a shitty dumb phone, so the camera and that's no good. I want a camera to carry around. Depending on what they want, I'd probably still would recommend something like a real point and shoot that you can slip in your pocket because those things are so compact now. And again, that's what you want. You want something that is convenient enough to carry that it's always with you so if that's not your phone you want a, a, a phone that's a, a, a camera that's equally as compact so like when i was walking around philadelphia the camera this for this uh, mirrorless camera is great but like it was definitely jammed into my pocket because it's not small yeah it's not as big as a dslr but nor is it as small as a, a point and shoot it's, it's definitely kind of in the middle you got to have big pockets to carry it around with you um but it's worth it because it does take terrific pictures yeah um, what else have you, uh, what have you been doing? Now? Wait, hold on. I got oh, a couple of other things. Well, I was going to just go around the table. No, no, but, okay, I mean, you can keep going. Finish. Yeah. Um, what else do I have? Oh, just, so just real quick, really, the other two things. One is, um, somebody wrote a Google Chrome extension, which is exactly the thing I've been looking for for a long time. I think it's called Nuke. Is this a, is this a 1% problem? Um, so Mr. I have 600,000 followers on Google Plus. Well, yeah, but that's not about one, it's not okay. about 1%. Well, I you mean, are I, the 1% I am in, on in, Google+. I am in the 1% on Google+, because yes. I, I have about 600,000 followers, a lot of people. Yeah. And so what happens is I become a target for spam, because if I post something, anyone who posts in that thread is theoretically reaching 600,000 people. Yeah, it's the Zuckerberg Facebook problem. But it's free advertising. Yeah. Um, and so this happens a lot. And usually, and, 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 almost every single thread, there'll be someone posting discount cigarettes or free some web scam just bullshit awesome. just not like porn it's whatever it, just nonsense not you're just shitting up more you what threads. kind of porn anything good i don't know i never click on the oh, links okay. i just go block them but to go to block to, to block someone and report the spam report them as a spam or i have to click on their profile click re, click block and then it says do you want to also report them click that and then go back to the original thread so which is a hassle when, when you're dealing with it. I want to try and fight back against spam as much as I can, but it's a hassle to do this every time, especially when you're looking at a lot of volume. So somebody wrote a Chrome extension, uh, which right there in the main on the main page, where when you can see all the threads together, there's a little button that says Nuke, and you press that one button, and it runs, I guess, a little macro that will block that person and also report the spam without ever taking you out of the page. So it's very. It's the, I can I can well, now nice. I can now go nook 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 and just move on. Okay, and feel like I've done my bit for internet justice. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Does it block the, the ban, block reports of spam and blocks? Is there a report spam button on Google Plus? Yes. Okay. And when you block someone, it also asks you if you want to report them. Oh, nice. But then it asks you why you want to report them. Hate speech, spam, okay. don't know this person, whatever it is. Fascist. Um, yeah, whatever it may be. Um, but disagrees uh, with me. Yes. How dare they? But this one nuke button, well, again, we'll just do it all in the background. Block, report for spam, cool. and then you don't, but you don't exit the page. So I can now just go through my threads, see all the spam, because it's pretty obvious, and go boom, ba, boom, 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 and Fantastic. just delete you immediately. Very good. Uh, so that's good. And then the other thing that I, I bought but I haven't yet tested, when I was in CES, I really uh, 
had my first experience with this generation of phone of like not make not being able to make it through the day. Yeah, on the on the battery. Yeah, the, four, the 4S was the big fail out of CES for me because you're running Group Me. There's all kinds of you know, Bing, 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 Bing. It's constantly picking up messages. You're using location services all the time. You're constantly checking stuff. Like I wasn't getting through a whole day. And somebody at, at the end of the day, I was in the bar, and it's a few hours before I was due to kind of get back to my room and charge the phone. My phone was like in the red. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to make it. And someone said, here, try this. And it was like one of these little things they got from Brookstone, like a little battery module yeah. that plugs onto the bottom of the phone uh-huh. and recharges it. Does, it. does it look like it holds on there well? Well, the one that he had was a dock connector that had a short cable and then like a little thing that looked like a stick of gum yeah. that was the battery back pack. But what, and what it does is it doesn't just act as an additional battery. It actually charges the yeah, phone. Yeah, yeah. So you can leave it connected for a couple of hours, unplug it, and then you've got new power. Yeah. So I was very impressed by that. And I thought this is and it's a tiny little thing. This is a good thing to have when you travel. As a, so you never have to have the anxiety of your battery running out. So I went to Brookstone, which, you know, is kind of a cheesy That's store. It's kind of not a good place but to go But Brookstone these days have basically remodeled themselves as just nothing but like iPad and iPhone accessories. They're two steps away from mall kiosks really, at this point. Really, really. Yeah. Uh, and I got this little thing. And again, it's like the size of a... A, tr- a stick of gum, basically. That, that, and there's no cable. It just dot connects directly. It just it sits like a little additional thing at the bottom of the phone here. My question is, does it have prongs so you can plug that directly into an outlet to charge it? Yeah, how, um, do, how do you charge it? It doesn't have prongs, but it has micro USB that, con- oh. that connects to a... Another cable. To a, to a charger. See, what I want is... Uh, something that looks like my iPhone power brick, the supercharger brick, yeah. that plugs, instead of having the cable, just plugs right. directly into my phone. Right. The prongs just snap the out. The prongs yeah. are there, and then you can plug that into the yeah. wall. You don't that. have that, but it comes with a short cable that you can either plug into your computer to charge it, or into any USB power outlet, or there's also an adapter to plug it into the mains. So the big problem I have with all of those things is that when I need the charger, it's not like I'm in the car and I have the phone out flat someplace. It's always that the phone's in my pocket and I need some, I need to plug it in while it's in my pocket without adding an unsightly bulge to my pocket. So the Mophie juice pack thing is the is the fix for that. It's basically a case that has a battery in it. Yeah, they had they had the cases as well, but then I don't want it to be a thing where my phone is bigger all the time. Right. I just want to, I just want to have a separate module yeah. that is pretty small that I can keep separately and only add it onto the phone in emergencies. But I don't want, I don't want to be carrying around a big juice case because most of the time I don't need that much battery. We need uh we need uh, uh cargo pants to come back. I have cargo pants. Yeah. I don't care if they're back or not. Right. Okay. It's <laughs> good. I had, I got rid of all my cargo pants a few years ago because they were real baggy. Man, did you like, cut the pockets out for, out why? of spite? Why would I cut the pockets out? Before you got rid of them, like it's I hate handy. you, cargo pants. I cut the no, pockets. Like Those pockets pants. are handy. Yeah, I love. I love. I still have some cargo shorts. I haven't gotten rid of them. Oh yeah. man, that's very Kevin Smith of you. Yeah. Well, I don't wear the over bathrobe or whatever over top of it. So, um, uh, let's see. We we've all been using line out uh, dot connector things. We talked about that a few weeks. Yeah, I'm ago. loving it. I'm bummed that the one that you recommend your, your recommendations apparently some people must pay attention because I carry weight. It seems the one that you recommended as the best one not is now out of stock pants. on Amazon. Huh? You carry weight, not just in your cargo pants. Go to hell, Norm. Yeah, you, you can't get that. Your, one your cargo pants prejudice is well established. Just because you were. I, I've seen you wearing some big ass baggy pants before. Mm, not really my pants. I'm going to post you that picture on the internet. Thanks. So I got. I'm still loving the dot connect to the iPod. And again, the, the the magic of it is rather than connecting to the earphone jack, yeah, connects to your dot connector. So and it's, it's a line and then, level. But, but then, so it's a better quality sound feed, and it also connects both to your he- headphone input in the car or wherever you're listening. And there's also a USB connectors, so you can charge it at the same time. So yeah. I, mean, I got that for like four bucks. I'm very happy with it. Yeah. And the one you recommended. Which I imagine, assumed that that's the one you recommended after testing your budget is even better, was also like five bucks now. Amazon. I went to buy it. Sorry, this product is out of stock. So I think a, much, a bunch of people must have like seen your recommendation and went and got it. 
a lot of people asked. Like, I, I didn't. We didn't actually provide the URL for that one because I thought it'd be easy to find. There's only one white one on the store. On yeah, the Amazon well, store, and that's not even there. No. And the reason the white one is good is because it doesn't have the clips on the side. The other ones have the clips on the side. So instead of being a solid piece of plastic that just holds in with the pure dock connector force. You have to do the little pinch thing, and oh, when I don't you step like, on the pinchy ones, they break. I don't like the pinchy. Yeah, which is what happened to the one that we had in the in the van. Yeah, yeah much, much celebrated failure of that of that particular device. Uh, Norm, you've you've been testing some stuff. Uh, yeah. So we got the Cosmonaut in. It's a um, stylus. It's a stylus. A fat stylus. It's like a giant crayon. I think it's dumb. Um, I I I, uh, I agree that it is dumb if you don't use a stylus for iPad. I think that using a stylus for iPad is dumb. Yeah, the iPad was not meant to use. It was not meant uh, to be used with a stylus. Yeah. Do you like it? Uh, I think. I think. Uh, n. Yes, I do like it. So you're saying that you are dumb? No, I'm not. So what you I'm just dumb. said you said no. people who use styluses with iPad are dumb. I never said that. And then nope, you stop said, putting words in my mouth. And then you said I like the the stylus. Nope. Okay. What? What? Tell me about the stylus. Uh, it looks like a giant crayon. It's hefty and has a uh, soft tip. It looks like a first grader pencil. Yeah. Yeah, which I think is a comfortable grip. It uh, is a comfortable stylus. grip. It's expensive. it's a little mushy, kind of expensive. Twenty five dollars. Uh, I don't think it's worth twenty five dollars. It's yeah. a ten dollars stylus. Yeah, yeah. It was a Kickstarter though. Yes, uh, a lot of people really like it. The the things, the reasons I think it are just to be clear, the reasons I think it are dumb, it's dumb aren't have nothing to do with the product itself, but with the way that software, the things you, the compromises you have to make on the tablet. In order to use it. use it, so turning off multitasking gestures, the palm recognition stuff is real janky on the on the iPad because mm-hmm. uh, it's usually it's not part of the OS, it's not part of any mm-hmm. OS APIs. It all has to happen on yeah. the app level, so it all works differently. It could work really well on Windows eight tablets. It, it may be an awesome thing for Windows eight tablets. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a thing we tested. Uh, I tested another pair of gloves, capacitive touch gloves. Not something we really need here in San Francisco very often. Uh, but Isotoner makes a, a couple of different kinds of capacitive touch gloves. I tested the uh, – well, I can't remember which ones they were right now. But basically they have capacitive places on your finger and thumb, your forefinger, your index finger and thumb. And they're not positioned right uh, for, for using while typing. They're good for like swiping through page turning, stuff like that when you're on say a Kindle app or web browser even. But the moment you have to have fine control and have to actually thumb type, it's, it's real bad. Right. Not, not a good product. Uh, we also got the Sphero in, the remote control ball. I think it's <laughs> really expensive. We're going to have the exact same conversation. This is uh, yeah. so about 1% product. Yeah. $130 for a ball that you control with your iPhone. I'm going to bring Chloe in and we're going to record a video of Chloe. Pets will love it, I'm sure. Yeah, it's, it, it, is, it is. At that price, Chloe becomes an accessory for your, your robot ball toy. You have no idea how expensive dogs are, dude. Dogs get expensive real fast. Okay. Um, the $130, it's 130 bucks. Uh, but basically when you put it down on the floor, it lights up. So that's like the dog is interested immediately like, Oh, Hey, that, that it's, things are happening. It makes a funny noise. That's interesting. And then it moves. And it was literally the same reaction she had to the iPad. It was that she thought that the devil was inside that machine and some sort of evil force was powering. Yeah, she dogs are basically like people in the Middle Ages, right? They're yeah. like, what devilry is this? Yeah, pretty much. I want you to bite it. Out, demon. I can't sniff, get it sniff. in my mouth. Yeah. Meme. Ruff, 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 ruff. Yeah, uh, it was. It was. Uh, See how long that one takes. Thanks, thanks, Gary. I'll, I'll open chat now so we can all know. Uh, it was. Uh, it was. It was. It's interesting watching her. Uh, she like she wants to play with the ball, 
but she is also moderately afraid of the ball. So, um, <laughs> it's fair enough. Yeah, there we go. Uh, other stuff I've been testing. Uh, well, we've been doing a lot of Lego, a lot of Lego. How are you feeling, Norm? You want to talk about your, Le- your Legos? Let's save that for fake outtakes. You think that's fake outtakes? Yeah, okay. let's save it for fake outtakes. Okay. Uh, anything else on the stuff we've been testing? That HP laptop. We talked yeah. about that some last – did we talk about it last week or did the – I think the video went up after last week and then there's been some controversy. Yes. So here is my – and this is as it applies. So one of the things that we should talk about right here is that the thing that we do at Whiskey that is a little bit different from what everyone else does is that we usually make no attempt to hide personal biases. Um, if you look at a more – Which does not mean we're not objective – just saying we right. don't hide our personal biases and how we use things. Right. And my personal bias is that I think – I fundamentally think that giant desktop replacement laptops are a compromised product category because either you, uh, you you use mobile processors and mobile graphics, which are inherently slower and worse than desktop graphics and desktop uh, uh, CPUs, or on the other side, you use a desktop CPU and desktop graphics. And either way, you're going to have terrible battery life. So at that point, you should really just – like. Most people are buying these big giant desktop replacement laptops because it's a big category. It's a popular category. And then they sit with them on the couch plugged in all the time. They're not actually going out in the world and using these because they need more powerful notebooks. They're using them because they want a desktop computer that lives in the living room. And and I think that at that point you should make a decision. They're the SUVs of the computer world, right? Because you you buy an SUV because you think, oh, man, I could really use four-wheel drive because I might go to Tahoe. Or I, you know, I, I could really use a big storage thing because I might haul some mattresses around at some point. They're not a product that most people are going to use in the intended manner. And as a result, you buy something that's really compromised and doesn't do the things you might want to actually do as well as it could. So, for example, you have a MacBook Air that you use on the couch. It's great on the couch because the battery mm-hmm. lasts a fairly long time. And it, you know, when you're browsing the web or spending time on Reddit or something, it's great. I have a desktop computer in my in my in my office because when I want to use the desktop computer for video encoding or photo editing or playing games, it's awesome at that. But I don't expect to be able to use that on the couch. Um, and I I think that there are exceptions. The deployed serviceman is the exception that everybody always throws out, or the videographer, the photographer who's out in the field. These are all these are all valid uses for this product category. Normal people should not buy seventeen inch laptops. That's my that's my stance on the matter. Unless you're in a very specific situation. Unless you have a specific use that requires yes. power that you can carry in a bag with you and you're okay with an hour of battery life, then then that is the that is the situation. But for the most part, the way most of these people use desktop replacements, you could take the battery out of it and they would never notice a difference. So it's just extra weight to carry for no reason. I don't think having a numpad on that a laptop that size is a bad idea. I think that if you need a numpad on your laptop, you can put it on any laptop you want for $30. Well, no, you're not buying that laptop because it has numpad, but you're buying that laptop, and by the way, it has a numpad. The, that laptop is three inches wider than comparable 17-inch notebooks. Not because of the numpad. If well, you look at my keyboard at know. home, I have the extended Apple keyboard because I like the numpad. Yeah. But if you look at my keys, you can see the way some, most of them have gone, gone yellow a bit where Gross, you know, from, yeah. from use. You try to keep it clean, but after use... My numpad is pristine because who the fuck uses their numpad? Right. People who edit video, uh, shortcuts are on the numpad. Right. No people who edit video, uh, accountants, people who spend yeah, a lot yeah. of time in spreadsheets. But for, but for the majority of us, again, I think yeah. 
the numpad tends to not be you know, yeah. like do you miss miss it on there of course i not. don't no i don't know and if you do miss it on there you, you can, can buy, buy a logitech numpad for 30 dollars. it's right. bluetooth right so there you go um anything else you want to talk about on the laptop nope. front I, I mean yeah we do not hide personal bias when we think that a product category is dumb that's that's what we do yeah if people don't like that then we should discuss it in the forums i guess is is the is the I didn't mean to make a edict. But is the nature of people on forums to think that everyone is biased against them? Well, in this case, we are. I mean, I, but we're but there's no there's no hiding it. There's a, that's why I don't do those products. In a way, ways. it's more honest because it's you know you can you can bring whatever professionalism you can muster to be impartial, but you're lying to yourself and other people if you say you don't actually have personal biases and preferences. Of course, you do. Everybody does. Right. The, I mean, question, the question is, how do you keep that out of your work? I felt like this for a long. I mean, this is why I didn't review these laptops at Max PC is because I I feel like the the right answer is never this, except for in a few very very small number of cases. You know, buy a laptop, buy a buy a small light laptop if you're going to carry it around. Buy a desktop if you need power. If I was a photographer or yes. someone who shot video on a DSLR and had an SUV or, or a car to drive around to locations, and you wanted to process video off compact flashcards, gigabytes of video, yeah. I, I would want this laptop. <clears throat> but but I, you I look would, at like our photographer at Future who used a 17 inch MacBook for years. Yeah. He was in the field five days a year. And he suffered with a laptop the other 300 day, 200, 195 right. days that he was working right. because of those five days. And when he was in the field, he never had the laptop out. It was purely a yeah. – like, There's no point having a portable computer if you're not going to utilize the portability of it. Right. That's, that's, that's my point. I'm sure the chat is exploding now. Um, let's uh, let's uh, answer some questions. Good stuff. A new mix of the transition mm. song starts mm. with the chimes, goes into the into the bumping. Um, if you have a question, the email is podcastattested.com. Keep it short, under forty five seconds. Minute is okay, but forty five seconds is better. And listen to it first, please, to make sure it sounds like the podcast and not like some dude being dragged underneath a a seven forty seven as it takes off. Because we're not going to run that. Here is the first question. Hi, Will Norman Gary, Carl from Christchurch, New Zealand here. My would you rather is would you sacrifice your own life for the internet, being aware that all current infrastructure in place would still be there? My question is, I recently bought an Amazon Kindle, and after reading Steve Jobs' biography and a book on MTV, I would like a few recommendations for some good books to read, being aware that any genre would be acceptable. Thanks, and always be testing. Um, Sacrifice life for what? what, For the internet. Like what? What kind of situation would you be in that you could say, "If I do this and it will kill me, it, the internet will be saved"? Wait, what? He's saying, "Do you want to be the Jesus of the internet?" No. Would you be okay with that? No. So you wouldn't. You wouldn't sacrifice your life for Reddit. No. What would, about? Well, you would sacrifice like, for well, information freedom. I'd sacrifice your life for Reddit. You would. <laughs> you, you would sacrifice your life to like end world hunger, right? Oh yeah. Okay, so yeah. why not the internet? Really? Then? You wouldn't. If you could, if, if, if guarantee world hunger yeah. stops forever for the rest of planet Earth's existence, yeah. and all you have to do is die yeah. at one point in your life, let's just say in the next 10 no, no, years. No, 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 right now. It's the, the next 10 years is no, that's no bet. If you, like right now, you're 30, you're 26 years old. If well, I kill you, thank you, 27 years old, sorry, late 20s, not mid 20s. Um, if I shoot you in the head right now, hunger is wiped out for infinity. And the world knew that. Uh, 
You're a but, monster but, but, hero, but but you but you do not get recognition for it. Yeah, you, you don't do, get recognition. But you do not. There's get no Norman Chan because, no, because because if you're just doing it because they want because you want statues and shit, doesn't count. That's there's, that, then there's nothing uh, nothing great about it. You're doing it for yourself. Yeah, no, I'm doing it for people who are hungry. No, you're doing it because you want statues. No, it's, only, to, no, it's, only, tr- it's only truly noble if you're not if you don't care about getting credit for. And it. And the point, the other thing is, okay, then I'm I'm going to rephrase my answer. Uh, yes, dying for to end world hunger is noble. Uh, dying to preserve the internet, the existence of the internet is not noble. So okay, but you could make you could make the argument. What's that, the situation that, that, that this that, happens? That the though? internet in providing opening up the world of information to people in developing nations and people who would never and, and the spread of knowledge throughout the globe is pretty significant and yeah. you would and you would take that away Powerful from people force for, good. for your own selfish needs because if you're ending world hunger world hunger exists right yeah, what now what are you doing with your life really chan by the way world hunger exists by the way, right now. also really think about the question if you don't die yeah. and you don't save the internet the internet disappears you're going to wind up right. killing that's, yourself that's, anyway that's different right world hunger if i don't die world hunger will still exist it's it, it's dying to affect a How change. How could you live the rest of your life every time you saw like a starving African child knowing that that's your fault? That you could have, you could have died and well, saved no, all do, of these people? I would people. do it for world hunger. Okay. I would do it but, for but, world but, hunger. But, I wouldn't do it to But think of, think of all the horrible times when you get a cat. You're going you're to have two cats move into your apartment. If the internet wasn't there, you wouldn't be able to share the funny pictures that are going to happen in your house because of the addition of those two cats. We'll take pictures of them. Real, uh, real pictures. Film? Real pictures. Just put them on the wall. But how's Polaroid. everyone going to see them? And yeah, nobody's going to see that. Would you like to subscribe to a newsletter? No. <laughs> my my funny cat newsletter. Your zine. You're talking about making a zine. <laughs> um, I, I think it'd be funnier. Yeah. I feel like my contrib- contribution to society is stronger than the impact of removing world hunger or saving. You, the think you, you, you can do more good. I think I can do more good alive by sticking than around. Dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're going to the Lego store on Saturday, right? Yes, we are. Okay, excellent. There was a real question there. There was a real question. What book books would we recommend? Yeah. Oh, What's okay. the best book you've read this did year? Did he care about genres? He did not care about genres. Um, I've read a couple of books that I liked recently, um, but I'm trying to think of things I can actually recommend. Uh, again, if he's like – so uh, he's from New Zealand, so he's probably not that interested in like American culture because those are the couple of books that I read recently. Um I don't know. I'm gonna be, a Game of Thrones books are good. I think there's like a, a th- thread on our forums. There is a good book for thread. book recommendations. Just go to there. Will contributes that thread. I do. Uh, I recently things I've read recently are One Q eighty four, which is uh, Murakami. I think. Um, I I've been told I really enjoyed it. I've been told that that is not the best thing that he's written. And also, you know what people don't do enough of? People are always saying, like, what's a good book? Like, the answers are, are out there. Like, unless you're already super highly read, well read and super literate, read the classics. Read Moby Dick. Read Pride and Prejudice. Don't read ever Dickens. encourage anybody to read Moby Dick, dude. I know. It's not an easy read. It is not a good – if you if you are just revisiting reading again, Moby Dick right, is okay. not where you read should go. Read The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. That's better, I guess. Right? Uh, I would say read The read, Great Gatsby or read, yeah, read, uh, read, read On the Road read, or Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yes, or read, um, read 20th Century. Read Hemingway. Read right. Austin. Read Dickens. Read The read the, the Giants. Hemingway you got to be careful with because there's some real uh, trudging. But but for whom the uh, – not for whom the – the sun also rises and – Yeah, The Old Man um, in the Sea is my, my personal favorite. Yeah, that's and that's a quick read too. Just read – yeah, read The Great – 
books. Um, but but yeah, yeah. without, you know what, you know what, without you know what, any internet, do you know what our fan- spend time in the library? Do you know what our fantastic reads? And I read, I enjoyed the first one so much, I ended up reading all of them. Which one? Just read the original Sherlock Holmes stories. They're oh, fantastic. they're good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're great. Yeah, I like the one about the snake with the string. Read Tarzan. I've never read that. Is that good? Really good. The original Edgar Rice Burroughs, the original read? Tarzan, Lord of the Apes, is terrific. You know what I'm reading right now that I haven't read in probably 15 years is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, I, I started good, those good the reading. other day. I would, I would, I would put that on that on the list with all these other books that I've talked about. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing because like you read you read 1980s William Gibson books that don't have cell phones in them and don't have the internet in them, and you, you like there's no there's no they, you know with no Google. Like reading about the future of technology without Google makes no sense, right? Um, the guide itself was was the was yeah. an iPad. The, those those it's the iPad and Wikipedia, yeah. right? Right. He he saw Wikipedia and the iPad in one in one thing. Well, but the question is, did Wikipedia beca- evolve because of Hitchhiker's Guide, or would it have happened independently? I think Adams is one of those guys who was so prescient that he didn't he didn't just predict the future. That he actually helped bring it about because there were yeah. people, there were engineers and thinkers and scientists that read yeah. Douglas Adams and like that's a cool well, idea. It's like Star Trek in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah. Nobody took it serious or people didn't take it as seriously because it's a comedy. But you read those books and literally you, they hold up in a way that most stuff written in the early eighties does not. Yeah. Also, Douglas Adams. Uh, I don't know if you ever read this, but Douglas Adams wrote a fantastic nonfiction book called Last Chance to See. Yeah. Which about, is all about going around the world seeking out the the world's endangered species. It was his Kilimanjaro book, basically. Really, really good. Great read. Um, the other good thing, the other one that's good, if you haven't read it, was Neil Gaiman wrote a biography uh, of uh, not a biography, but a the story of the coming the the of of how Hitchhiker's Guide came to be. Oh, because okay. it's a really interesting story. Because the unlike most everything else, Hitchhiker's Guide was written originally as a uh, BBC radio series, yeah, radio play, and they were writing. Literally, he was writing scripts for episodes as the first part of the episodes were being recorded. So it became a, a – as a bad procrastinator, Douglas Adams, it's really interesting. And then how that became the books and the and the audiobooks and the TV show and all the 15 different versions of Hitchhiker's Guide. It's kind of a whole sort of general mishmash. And, and just, uh, just to stick with Adams, the, another recommendation which I love is that actually the last thing that was ever published of his was a, is a book called The Salmon of Doubt, which is all his – Unpublished writings, it's after like essays died. and stuff, right? Yeah, it's like, and it's just a, it's a nice collection of stuff. It's like various travel essays, and um, he wrote a lot of essays and stuff about uh, his love of computers and working with because you know, he had the Apple. first, and he loved Apple and Macs. Um, but writing about he, there's there's one in there. I think it's called Riding the Rays, and it's about a trip that he took to Australia because he wanted to swim with the manta rays that they have uh-huh. in the coral reefs. Around. It's just just fantastically well-written stuff. Yeah, he, there's, there's a great lot less on how to make a proper cup of tea. Just like random shit, just random musings, but all written in that Douglas Adams style. Uh, actually, everything Douglas Adams wrote was good, I think, except for maybe So Long and Thanks for All the Fish, and even that was okay. The Dirk Gently stuff I really liked, too. I love both the Dirk Gently books. Yeah, I wish there was more of that. I wish he hadn't died in 2000. Sad. Talk, talk about a guy taking for his time. Forty years old. It's not right. Yeah. So yeah, read Hitchhiker's Guide. That's what I'm going to tell you to do. If you've never read that before, it's magical. You should read it. Yeah, and you can Re-read get it. all of them, uh, including Young Zephod plays it safe in one. Oh, the in one Young Zephod plays it safe is as the short stories go is is brilliant. That's the one with the lobsters, right? I don't remember. It's been a long time yeah. since I read it. Or no, no, I remember what it is. Yeah, the, the, it's it's a good twist that. Uh, so yeah, that that's that. I think we actually answered the question, and we uh, I feel like we delved into the would you rather pretty well there. 
Want to do one more? <laughs> For some reason, it always comes back to my favorite bit from Hitchhikers is that inter- like the intergalactic news broadcasting guy who says, like, we're broadcasting to all intelligent life in the universe, and to the rest of you, the secret is to bang the rocks together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, here we go. Hey, Jesse Crew, this is Paul from North Andover, Massachusetts. A bit of hometown trivia. North Andover is the hometown of Samuel Osgood, the first postmaster general of the United States. Uh, my question, I guess, is for Norm this week. I was just wondering if we could look forward to some testing on things such as back braces, massage chairs, other things like that, because it looks like after a few weeks of Lego building, you're going to be needing some. Thanks, and keep up the great work. I discovered this as well from my own Lego building, is that when you're hunched over a table building Lego for hours at a time, it's it's not good for your back. Yeah. you really got to find a comfortable position to yeah. build Lego. The last time I hurt my back so much was when I started using the MacBook Air on the couch and twisting my body. Oh, that oh my ruined God. my back for a week. Uh, yeah, really sit bad. down when building Lego. is the My back was killing me last week. After I, after I built that space shuttle, I was up all night building it. And like when I tried to stand up, I was like, oh. Yeah, I don't think those benches on your dining room table are the most ergonomic way to sit. No, you really, yeah, either. there's there's better ways to, to sit. Yeah. Um, but that's really the best surface I have for building Lego, so I'm kind of stuck with it's it. It's the biggest surface. You should take your desk chair down the stairs in the dining room, move the bench out of the way, and then sit down there. I should just convert a whole room into a Lego laboratory. Yeah. That's what it needs to be. Yeah, I mean, Come into, step into my Lego. You're going to have to do a nursery at some point too, right? We're doing it. We're working on it right now. Oh, wow. Which room is sacrificed for the nursery? So what, what was what used to be, or, or still at least currently is, the guest room. Okay. Is um, we're going to take the stuff out of that and and consolidate it. Leah has a room of her own. Okay. Where she can do like her crafts her and just cave. hang out and stuff. Yeah, her As man cave. Is that's going to be consolidated into a guest room, stroke man cave, Leah cave. Okay. And then what was the guest room is going to become the nursery. Okay, All that right. sounds good. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so that'll do it for questions. Uh, as always, interesting questions are preferred. Uh, make sure they sound good. We we shy away from hey what what should I buy this or this because those are really boring for everybody else. But come up with some crazy. Yeah, I mean that's the questions. kind of advice you give out all the time anyway. Yeah, we do that on just Twitter. Keep on Twitter, Twitter forums, forums. Keep are the watching best place and growing. To do that. But uh, yeah, so that'll do it for us this week. Thanks to Gary Witta and Norman Chan as always. Uh, we we'll be back next Thursday with another episode of This Is Only a Test. And today's outro theme comes to us from BuzzClick, who also makes a lot of other things awesome for us. I didn't see you. Tested. Lego never gets anything wrong. They totally screwed this up. They gave me the wrong pieces. <laughs> That's a good one. I'm putting that one in the permanent file. That's very timely as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. It's we- true. Lego. Can I just say 100, 100 times out of 100? Yeah. The words Lego screwed up, they gave me the wrong pieces are followed shortly after by, oh, wait, here oh, it is. Oh, there it is. Yeah. yeah. Or, oh, wait, it was upside down. Yeah. Or, yeah. Oh, oh, wait, I built, I already used that piece 10 layers down. Yeah. I used the wrong piece. And now I've got Shit. to unbuild everything <laughs> to get to get the right piece out. Usually, so I've only done this once so far. I think that, I mean, people will tell me if I'm wrong, I'm sure. But I only remember doing it once where I was like, oh, fuck, I can't find it. the piece is missing. It must have fallen off or whatever. And then, and then, I hear from Norm all the time, though. The oh, oh, no, no. Oh, to be fair, oh, if you read the shit. kit reviews, yes, on the Eurobrick forums, yes, the and pe- the people, yeah, one hundred percent. So you've been going on the forums and the whole. You really, yeah. you've really committed to this. Well, I'm, I'm committed to the world of Lego, not the looking ahead of my instructions that Will has been doing, and 
that I think is unfair. Why, why can't he look ahead? Well, he could do it. I, I, I am not going to do that. Studying the manual ahead of time just seems like like eh. a smart thing to yeah, do. Yeah, you'd have to be a yeah. nitwit to not do that. I don't do that. I, I'm exploring the world of Lego. I'm reveling in the fun of Lego. Okay. Uh, people, Steve, why have you been going on the forums? Because I, I want to read reviews of kits I might want to buy. Okay. Whether they're kits in production or not. Um, the, some of those kits, when people review them, they actually talk about all the leftover pieces, what what bonus pieces are, and in some few instances. One or two pieces are missing. Carpet. It's always the carpet. I had, I had a couple of people respond to me saying, no, occasionally a piece will be missing. Uh, actually, this week when we go to the weekend when we go to the Lego store, I've got a little list of, of pieces because they have the bins. Yeah, of all the yeah. different, we actually need to pick up a couple of like random pieces. pieces. It's yeah. like just like going to Ikea when you go to the customer yeah. service department. I, yeah. I'm missing I need this a one bolt. Or something. Yeah. yeah, and then yeah. let's go to the back and give you the bolt. Yeah. Except you'll pay happen. a quarter for, for the piece of Lego. Yeah. Hmm. So how hmm. so? So this your contest is now well underway. Well, we're right? we're 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 shooting like one week ahead. So right. we're midway through the second. But the week. third. But the third. In terms of what people are seeing, is this still the, third, just the first week? This is still the first episode, week. So you did. You, did they, I can't believe it's only the. You're the on your one fourth week. episode today. It's actually being shown. Yeah. yeah. Well, the first one was sorting, which I don't think counts. But yeah, we're, we're, I think it counts. We're, uh, we're episode zero, and then one, two, and three is the newest one up to. I yeah. think we learned a lot from the first week of shooting, and so the coming weeks will be even better. What have yeah. you learned? Uh, uh, one is that Norm can't just run an inter- internal monologue the entire time and leave me to ramble. We need yeah, you've got to you've got to you've got to be talking during yeah. the building. Yes, yeah. and when we shoot two episodes at once or three episodes at once, the first episode usually goes by really fast. Yeah, and then the second episode. Okay, third episode, we run out of things to talk about. I think you also kind of need an Alton Brown type character in there, like well, calling you're the plays. To come by anytime. Well, always welcome to <laughs> provide some commentary. Somebody needs to be doing it. I think. Um, but it is. It, it, I, I, I'm amazed because as much as I was excited to see it personally, yeah. At the back of my mind, I was a little bit nervous about you guys are committing to a lot of content, which is basically just asking people to watch you build Lego. And I don't know how interesting that's going to be for like a general audience, but people seem to really so far, be enjoying it. So far, so far. And I got to say, I found it more interesting. Like you, you guys debated on whether or not you wanted to do an episode just showing the sorting. Because this is something I actually didn't know, but which you discover very quickly is if you're going to build a lot, build a big piece, a thousand pieces, you have to sort yeah. the pieces first. Otherwise, it will take you three times as long. Yeah. Um, and so you debated whether or not you wanted to do an episode that was just dedicated to the sorting. It's like the prep you do before you I start cooking yes. a, a meal. Norm was looking was for more full, content. I had full confidence in this entire series from yeah. conception to execution. No, no. What you wanted to do, I know exactly what your thought process was. Your thought process was, I need an excuse to buy a $400 Lego kit. And I was going to get it anyway. I didn't need the excuse. And, First of all, I was I already bought it before coming up with this idea. I would like to deduct that $400 from my taxes. And I would like to do the assembly at work on the clock. This is the process. Mission accomplished, Jan. I would have done it. We're I in. Have, I would have had a party to do it. Okay. It, it, it's really it's, it's well. What, again, what happened was involved. Norm got the Lego bug recently when he built that Tie Fighter. Yeah. At our recent Lego advanced. party. When you say recent, you mean like in the, December last year? Yeah. So and it really is a it really is a gateway drug. What's twenty nine? I mean, for me, it was the, that Lego White House that I built. Yeah, Leah really is the Lego fan. She's the one that would, would drag me to the Lego store. And on a recent trip, I got that the Lego White House because I love that architecture range they have now. It's very cool, famous buildings of the world. 
I like that, but I wish some of those were more complex. Like I like the, the Roby house dude. six hours to complete. Well, the Roby house is 20, 2,500 pieces and, like tower, and Tower Bridge, which is not totally quite our architecture, but is a similar thing, yeah. is even bigger than your Death Star in terms of pieces. Yeah. I, I So for me, the balance is because I don't want to display this stuff in my house because A, I have a small house and B, doesn't doesn't go with my you know general scheme. Um, I, I don't have a good place for it. Like I don't – I don't – like the thing that seems like it would be horrible would be spending two days or three days assembling something and then taking it all apart and putting it back in the box. People See, do I, it all the time. People do that because they resell the kits. No, not only that, but they like the building part so yeah. much that they get the sense of accomplishment when they finish building, take the photos, take it apart, and then one year later revisit it and maybe build yeah. it with a friend. Yeah. That's, th- th- I think that's terrific. That's not for me though. I Once I've built it, I like to keep it and put it on display and – and for, you know, I, we don't have actually we're going to have even less room soon, but we, we're finding room to put these things out and right. keep them on display. Right. Uh, like your Star Destroyer is obviously that is going to have to get. Are going to get a, a case made for that? No way. No case made. It'll be it'll be out on a table somewhere. Um, it's but it's well suited for like the top of oh, like yeah. a bookcase or yeah, something. Exactly. You know, a long. You just yeah. need a long space for oh, it. Oh boy! Yeah. When the earthquake comes and that falls off. Well, I worry about like when you move house, how the fuck are you supposed to transport this stuff? It's so fragile. And you got yeah. a lot, lot of peanuts, packing peanuts. Yeah. Um, or you just disassemble it and then you put it back together. If, uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so you guys are – I mean I don't want to jump ahead, but uh, from this last episode, you are still kind of fairly – Neck and neck. Even. Yeah. It's hard to tell from looking at the kits because you can actually see your kit really kind of rising up because you're building kind of vertically. Well, we're, we're measuring percentage by mass, which I think is probably – what's going to happen is Norm's going to get into detail work at some point about two thirds of the way through his build. And I think I'm going to pull massively ahead at that point. That's my, that's my feeling. Okay. It's interesting because they are very different kinds of build. Yeah. I mean, like Norm's is really like a very accurate model. Yeah. And yours is again, more of a place. It's, it's for yeah. kids. And what people don't appreciate, people are going, oh, that, you know, that, that, that still looks dumb. They don't appreciate all the stuff that is actually playable, like, you know, the trash compactor doors oh, open and close. And we'll show that as, as we get there. That's pretty cool. I realized the other day that there's a working elevator in the Death Star. It's amazing. Yeah. Like, I can put, I can lift things from one level to the next. And the other reason why I think it's popular is for the same reason that things like lists, are, you know, people like to chime in and say, oh, that's wrong or whatever, is there's a lot of backseat drivers and armchair quarterbacks in the world of Lego, in your forums going, yeah. oh, he's doing, oh, look at the way he's building it. That, that's all totally wrong. Even down to the point of, oh, my God, why do you do not weigh the minifigs once and then add that amount to the total rather than blah, blah, blah. Just, the reason we don't weigh the minifigs once and add them to the total is at some point I'm going to have to place the minifigs on the model. Right. So then I'd have to keep subtracting. It's going to – there's potential for fuck-ups. So we're just doing it straight. We're weighing every day, the whole thing. Plus I think it's pretty likely that at some point Norm's going to pick his up and it's just going to split in half as he's trying to weigh No, I've been lifting mine up and and checking all the connections at the end of the episodes to make sure the pieces are pressed tightly together. Uh, I think we are on the zeitgeist, ahead of the zeitgeist Oh no, for Lego. Thought leaders. We've been thought leaders in Lego. I th- I've, I've received a lot of messages, and I've certainly seen a lot on the forums as well. People saying, seeing things that you guys are building or things that we've built and going, oh, i gotta, I got to go buy some Lego. We sold it. Like that space hole that I built, a lot of people went out and bought that. Yep. That camper van, the VW camper, which is great. It was fun. Uh, people were very inspired by that. The architecture things are great. And obviously this big Star Wars contest, a lot of people are – and again, I, I can't recommend it enough. I strongly, strongly believe that there is no age limit for Lego. The once you and you forget this, especially if you haven't built Lego as a kid. I highly recommend go out and buy like the White House 
or the X-Wing. So you can buy for like 50 bucks, not super expensive, build it. And there's something about just the satisfaction of feeling those those blocks snap together and press them together and, and seeing, you go, oh, there's that little first eureka moment where you go, oh, it's starting to look like something. Yeah. This well, actually looks like a thing now. It's, and it's, it's immensely satisfying on a very deep level, I think. Exactly. Exactly. Because, um, I mean, you've said, right, that the hardest part about this is that uh, w- when the day's filming is oh, done. it's awful. To have to leave it and step away when you really just want to yeah. keep going. Yesterday yeah. we did a, th- a third episode because we were having fun. Can you feel it, like, Yeah, I know it's in the other room. The other and room then I could, come and build me. Literally, it could be done by this time tomorrow morning if I just buckled down. Yeah. Um, I'm terrified of that tower bridge that I bought. Because th- it's 4,000 th- pieces. It's you, even bigger than the Death Star. You'd better nail sorting, man. That's all I'm saying. Oh, that, 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 again, that now is going to be part of the fun. There's going to be a whole day where I just sort the pieces. Yeah. Because it's all part of the preparation. And you can't go to bed at night. You're just thinking about the pieces. About, oh, is it, this is the kind of like thing. How, like when you close your eyes and you see like Tetris yeah. uh, shapes. Now yeah. you see Lego bricks I have fixing that. together. That happened to me on Friday after we did the first, the last episodes for last week. <laughs> Um, so we're going to get together this weekend and do a little – some side projects, right? Just yeah, to kind of – just to, to feed, feed, the, feed the monkey. Side projects. Yeah. you got to feed the monkey. Gina's <laughs> out on uh, Lego on Sunday, but, okay. she, but she'll watch the ball game and, and let us know when ads are on so we, when we should pay attention. Oh, but she's going to come she's over. Gonna come she's over. not going to build. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, no. She, 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 she well, we'll go to the Lego store might... at some point on Saturday and we're going to pick up. I've got, I've got a couple of little 500-piece type things like the X-Wing, yeah. the Farnsworth mm-hmm. house. Falling water is what I really want to build, the 800 piece. If you really want to get into the architecture but build something big, then get the Roby house. It's the biggest Well, piece. I'm worried about building part at your house and then having to transport it home. Well, that's like what mid, I'm saying. Mid, I think, mid, I'm mid saying mid just project. in general, but like if you're something for, something for the weekend, yeah. if you just want to build – because the last time we built very elaborate things, you guys barely finished the VW working yeah. together. Yeah. For six hours. I did not finish the shuttle. The fire station didn't get finished because that's a huge build. Yeah. Find something that's under 1,000 pieces that you can – Yeah, I think that the can, of the that you can late, finish. Yeah. Yeah, Norm. Norm made a uh, ill-advised purchase. Yeah, but are you going to try and build the Imperial shuttle? I'll have assistance. The thing is, this stuff. This stuff. I'll, I'll It'll be like Michelangelo. You know, yeah. Michelangelo. Wait, wait, how many pieces is the shuttle compared? Five hundred compared to the VW van. Uh, twice, twice as, as much. many. Right, and it took two of you all night to I'll finish have that. Two assistants. I hope will be better than Will. Fuck off. I I, I hope. I'm gonna. I'm gonna it would make be a really bet. good assistant. Unless you, know, unless you, you, unless you, assistant. Unless you come over. So far, it leads me to believe that I am pretty much exactly as good as you. Unless you, unless unless you come over on Sunday real early and devote the whole day, I don't think you're gonna get that shuttle finished I'm in a day. Fucking finish. Well, the that. nice thing about that Star Wars stuff, especially, is it seems to hold value really well. So if you want to build it and then put it on eBay, right, or put it in the garage all, for six months and then put it on yeah. eBay, I couldn't do that. They become like trophies. These are the things that I've right. conquered and built. Yeah. Like See, Alexander I, the Great surveying his empire. Right. It's not like I'm going to go buy crack with the money I'm building Lego. Lego is oh, my man, crack. I wish I had crack. That would make the wait. No, that's not right. <laughs> um, the 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 thing for me is I I wanted to. It, I'm in a cruft removal phase. This what is year. cruft? Yeah. You know the detritus of life. The things you accumulate that you think, oh, this has meaning to me, and then you really look at it three years later, and you're like, oh. So you say you're not be a hoarder. I, you know, I'm getting rid of all the shit. That, I'm cleaning out the garage, and then I'm moving the shit that's in the house to the garage, and then I'm cleaning out the garage again. At some point this year, I'm going to have the greatest Does yard sale you've people? ever seen. Well, yeah, it's good. Good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've never. Been I've already one, done that. I've, I've never been, been one of those life. people to like collect like action figures and models and no, stuff I'm, like that. I'm not that, talking about but... that. I'm talking about books and like just. Going through the kitchen last weekend, Gina realized we had four vegetable peelers. Because Why? Well, because like you get some in your stockings or you see one and you're like, oh, maybe this Xylus one is better than the one you had before. And you never get rid of the old ones just because they're in the back of the drawer. I'm, I'm totally with you on this on this whole mission. Yeah, we've got too much 
Yeah. Like, like you said, just mess. Like at some craft, whatever well, you want to call it, the stuff that you don't need. When I moved to California in 2000, we fit all of our worldly possessions into like a 16 foot U-Haul. Right. Right. I want to be back in that position. When I moved house last time, we had one of those vans. You know, they come in and like clear yeah, the, all your the 24 shit. footer. Yeah. And I, and they said, how big a van? I said, Oh, I don't think I've got that much stuff by the time. Yeah. They had to come back again the next day because I didn't realize how much shit I had. We had an 18 wheeler. Hey, yeah. the three of us should have a combined yard sale slash tested.com meetup where people around the Bay Area can come and, I meet us do it and buy house. our stuff. I'll do it in my garage. You'll do it at your house? Buy, our, I st- buy our stuff. It we'll get rid of our craft. I could, I could do and that. And do a meetup. I, I could, could see that. I could do that. It'll be a barbecue I'd have to haul, slash yard I'd sale. I'd have to hire an 18 wheeler to haul it to Norm's house. I could probably get a bunch of stuff over in my car. Yeah. Let's, do it in, barbecue, let's do it in summertime. Barbecue slash meetup. Summertime. Uh, it's the last shirt sale. Yeah, buy our shirt. All right, let's do that. That That's sounds a good. a terrible idea. Um, so, yeah, so, but what you're saying is that you can't really uh, be accumulating this, this uh, yeah, Lego like stuff. Going out and buying a bunch of Lego shit is in direct contravention of the anti Crofton. Yeah, but you don't have to go crazy like Norm. Just get yourself. I mean, you haven't bought a I single have yet to piece buy anything. Yet. Right, so yeah. you, can, you, can, you can afford one piece. Yeah, I, well, but if I buy one, then Gina buys one too because we want to have some things that we can do together. And, yeah. And then next thing you know, I'm, well, I'm out you of order. Go to the store on uh, Saturday and see what takes your fancy. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to buy like three yellow bricks. That's my that's my plan. <laughs> um, I bought, and the other way to go is because I, I just bought this for Leah because we're going to start a collection. Is you can buy just like buckets of bricks, just generic bricks, if yeah. you want to create your own things. Well, that's the next phase for me. If I if I go deep in this, it's going to be built downloading the CAD software, which you can get is available right. for free. Right. And and building. Stuff it's with amazing CAD. what some people build. You saw those Victorian houses. Yeah, those those are incredible. I like the uh, the, the Ghostbusters uh, the trap. trap yeah. yeah, I just got a text from Gina. What she says is a massive garage sale at Norm's house is a fantastic idea. <laughs> so she heartily supports that. Meetup slash. Uh, I don't know what I would get. I, you know what? I bet you I could get rid of a lot of books. Yeah, because yeah, I've exactly. got a lot of books that I everything need. will have a story too. And oh. we can tell the story from what you're selling. You can be that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Could have and, we can, and, we, and we can charge over the odds because if we're selling to tested it, it, fans. No, 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 no. <laughs> we can no inflate gouging. the prices. <laughs> no gouging. $30 a signature, though. Yeah. <laughs> Look at all oh, the we can, we we can sit there like, they're like the original boomer from Battlestar Galactica or something <laughs> at the back. Right. <laughs> Just sit, sitting, Leah and Gina sitting alone the front at the table. We're in the back with the line. That's yeah. a terrible idea. Yeah. Insisting, terrible. Show your, idea. show your ID before Gary will sign it. Um, I would like to talk about uh, – I was watching Curb the other night. Ah, good choice. And we finally at the end of the first season because we took a little bit of a break because there was some concern that possibly watching Larry David be, be TV Larry David was going to have negative uh, negative connotations toward my behavior. So real You do real pick problem. up things. Yeah. You, well, you start to think, oh, well, you know, that's OK. So we're watching the final the, – the season one finale – where he's laying in bed and they're having a conversation. Do you remember the conversation I'm talking I'm about? I'm trying to remember the episode. It's the sex availability conversation. Um, where he, where she says, why do I always have to initiate sex? Right. This this was very funny because we had oh, this like, conversation. Oh, you know, yeah, because he says, like, you can just always assume yeah, that just, I'm up for I'm it. I'm on. Yeah. yeah. Literally the exact conversation probably 10 years. It's like You've been in a relationship a long time. You know how this goes. At some point, you get tired of rejection, and you're just like, okay, it's on you. This is your problem now. When you're ready, let me know, and just assume that I'm ready at any time for sex. That's the Larry David position. This was yes. the Larry David position. We had this conversation in 2002. Uh-huh. So this felt, spe- this felt special for you? 
No, it was before. Well, okay, so it was when we were living in the first apartment in San Francisco. No, no, but when, when this, when this, uh, the show, this, aired. the show was probably on. I had never heard of the show yeah. at this point. I wasn't cool enough to know about that. So we're sitting there and having the conversation, and Gina's laughing, and I'm laughing. I look over, and she's like, "We had this conversation, right?" And I was like, "Yeah, we had this conversation a decade ago." Um, so that was, that was a very, very, very well observed show. Yeah, I, so I wasn't sure if that was well observed because. Uh, you know, we're neurotic in the right way, or if everyone has that conversation, no one ever talks about it. And the good thing is, the show only gets better now as you go on, as you work through the rest I'm of the I'm excited. I'm looking but, forward to it. But it is entirely possible to start picking up yeah. Larryisms and things that, because you start going, yeah, he's totally right. Why why don't people think well, more if, like if, that? If, but then if you if start Larry adopting, say it, you realize I'll that, say it too. Yeah, but you, yeah. There's a reason why they call it fuck you money. Yeah. He has it. Yeah. <laughs> Even then. Even then. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my question to the audience is: Is this a conversation everyone has, or is this a conversation? How much you're right, asking the right audience? Probably not. Wow. Maybe Norm not. dissing the tested audience. <laughs> wow. I'm saying younger crowd. You know, I came down hard on Bragger for testing the, the te- for for dissing the tested I, audience at dissing- CES. Yeah. I should come down hard on you for that. What are you talking about? Uh, I, I had I had the, the good burn at CES about the joysticks and the, the game gamepad dudes. I don't remember that. You know. No. No, never mind. You, now, yeah. No. Bah. Uh, Philadelphia. Anything you want to talk about from Philadelphia, Gary? We talked a lot about this on the on the poster signing on Monday. But and a terrific uh, vacation there, um, steeped in, you, in history. You've had two vacations in January. You're and rolling I, from one vacation I, to the I next. Rarely, and I rarely go on vacation, so I, I was glad, you know, had a good opportunity to, and, you know, with, with, with the baby coming and all that, you know, we're probably not going to be taking too many trips. Uh, the rest of the year. So it was nice to for Leah and I to get away. And we went to Philadelphia. And um, I love history. And uh, I love, I think American history is fascinating. And so it was very interesting to go uh, to Philadelphia, where America was born, and see, you know, they're standing in the room where the Declaration of Independence was signed and visit the, visit the house where it was written. Yeah. And, uh, you know, see the Liberty Bell up close. And no, it's, uh, it's and, like Jean Luc Picard putting his hand on the Phoenix. Yeah. Very much like that. Hold on. First contact. Uh, Except if you try to put your hand on the Liberty Bell, park rangers will come and get you. Don't um, cross the line. Yeah, you can't even. Yeah, you can't. You can actually get very close to it, but there's a rope around it which you're not allowed to break the plane of. Like if you try to reach over with your camera to get like a closer view, somebody will tell you not to do that. Um, but it was fascinating. Um, went to the National Constitution Center, which is an amazing museum that's basically all devoted to uh, the history of of the Constitution and and America. Basically, really interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I learned a lot of stuff that I didn't know. For example? Oh, geez. Um, it's really stuck with you. When did you get back? Sunday? Uh, yeah. And I actually bought uh, copies, really nice little hardbound editions of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution and wow. the Bill of Rights. How many pages oh, is that? Not very, I mean, they're, they're tiny. Okay. It's not a lot of text. Uh, but they also come annotated with, you know, history right. of the it's, signers and, it's and stuff it's like, like that. Sometimes it's like a binder with a reproduction of the original parchment. You can get all kind. Yeah, I actually bought one of those as well to, you know, we're going to frame those and put them on the wall because I love it. I think those documents are amazing. I always like to keep one of those folded up in my wallet in case I get, you know, I can hide behind the Bill of Rights. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Um, so it was and very. shoot someone through it. No, no, they shoot <laughs> you I'd actually, it. I'd actually never sat down and read the entire U.S. Constitution, like, in, in one sitting. And I did it on the flight back because of the, the people. They give, you, they give you a free copy of it when you go to the museum. That's nice. And um, I sat down and, uh, and read the whole thing. And it was fascinating. Yeah. Well, the, the issues are, like, the, the thing that's interesting about all that stuff to me is that they wrote, they were vague in exactly the right places to leave it open, leave the stuff that would change open for interpretation. 
Right. Which is, you know, do they talk about the Articles, Articles of Confederation there as well? Well, so I, I didn't, one, here's, so I've talked about things I didn't know. Like, yeah. I pride myself on the fact that I'm pretty good on history, but I'm actually pretty ignorant in a lot of, lot, I've got a lot of blind spots I didn't realize that I had until well, I went here. Everybody, I mean, but the thing, this is the thing, everybody has a lot of blind spots about history. So, except even historians, like if you're, if you're outside of the area you study, who the fuck knows what's most going of, on? Most, it's a lot most, of history. Most Americans... I, I imagine already know this, but it's it's an easy thing to not know that the Declaration of Independence, in which America was basically created, yeah, and the Constitution of the United States were written eleven years apart. Yes, and so the Declaration, Declaration of Independence was great, right? And we you saw off the British, well done. Um, and, Fuck those guys. But then what happened? You hadn't really created a nation at that point. You really had just created thirteen independent nations, right? All of which didn't really get on. And for a decade after the Declaration of Independence and the removal of British rule, there were border wars between those 13 colonies. Different currencies? And different, each, each state minted and created their own currency, and they, they all had their own laws, much like states still have today. Right. But it, wasn't, it was very fragile. It was basically all falling apart. Well, and the Constitution was created as a way to unite those states. The Articles of Confederation and, were 1778 or something. Well, right? the Articles of Confederation came, came after – but they they were kind of they weren't really legally binding and they weren't as they didn't really create a nation, right? They didn't really create a federal government. And of course, yeah. so then you had the federalists and the anti-federalists who didn't agree in the constitution. They're like, well, the constitution right. creates this federal entity which is more powerful than the states, and we don't like that. And of course, we still this, still see this argument today. Yeah. Um, but the constitution was really the document that solidified. Well, it was the a version, America that was created 11 years previous. The point is it was the version 2.0 because we learned the, the Articles of Confederation were a failed uh, failed attempt to do the same thing that the Constitution eventually ended up doing. Right. And so things like the Bill of Rights existence and the, the ability to yeah, amend and, the Constitution well, yeah. were a direct response and to the Bill the of Rights. And the Bill of Rights, in fact, came even later because the Constitution yeah. is great in the sense that it defines the kind of the legal – framework of how the country will be run but it doesn't actually define individuals rights or anything like right. that that came later with the, the amendments. amendments yep right it was it's a it's an interesting interesting place it's weird it's funny because that's old history like that's that's philadelphia is pretty much as old as you get without going to jamestown or or, or plymouth rock or places yeah like that. pretty much and so standing in independence hall i mean knowing that you're standing in the room where that document was was signed is pretty amazing yeah but there are working schools in london that are older than oh than, yeah of, you, of, you know, of course and you, hundreds of years older yes america's a very very young country in that sense um it was kind of it was kind of weird to go to graff house which is the room where thomas jefferson rented a room and wrote the declaration of independence because it's still it's still there yep but the rest of the area around it has, is completely 21st century now. So it's like a, it's like this old 18th century house. It looks like the TARDIS or something, just standing yeah. completely out of place. And there's a Dunkin' Donuts across the street. Oh, that's and a, and a big, you know, concrete parking garage. And it kind of looks like, like this completely anachronistic building. But they've preserved it because it's of historical influence. Interest. Did you have any of those South Park situations where there were people like reenactors walking around in period? No, fortunately, there isn't break? anything like that. When you go to the National Constitution Center, there is a very cool interactive. Uh, presentation. A guy comes out and, and and does a whole thing and tells you about the Constitution while there's like musket fire and stuff in the background and that immersive thing happens. But then you go through what is a traditional kind of museum exhibit, and they have a really they have a really interesting section on the Supreme Court and how the Supreme Court works. And you can watch interactive presentations of famous um, Supreme Court, Court decisions, like you know flag burning and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, and you get to, and you can stand behind a, po a presidential podium and be sworn in. As president by the chief justice, 
I got to. T- I took the oath of office. You, but you looked like a dystopian president. You, you were, you were dressed in just the right casual way with a futury looking jacket. <laughs> it looked, it looked, looked very, like. it looked very Orwellian. Yeah, yeah, like, like, oh, look, I'm here. I'm a very specifically casual. Yeah, but also I'm like I will have you all killed. I'm like the, I'm like the guy that you've you've sworn in and granted emergency powers to because you desperately need it's something. John Hurt done. from uh, but, V for Vendetta. But then, yeah. The, ne- yeah, the next morning you wake up and you're like, oh my god, what have we done? Right. I, I'm afraid of a of a nebulous external threat. So I'm going to give Gary emergency powers. Give and me then all your powers, Darth Gary. It kind of it kind of bums me out that I could never be president. Well, you should have been born here. And they, I, I, th- I actually think that that is an amendment that they should add. You got to watch out for the for the uh, for the for the uh, what, what is it? The sleeper cell? No, the what was the famous the famous? But they could, but the they could, candidate. they could just as easily come from. They could just easily have been born in America. I yeah. suppose. Um, you know, this brings up another thing that actually I'm not going to talk about that because that, that has been covered elsewhere. Uh, I guess that's it. Did anybody else have anything? Let's talk about the uh, social oh, selective. Right. You had such uh, a good segue, and then we didn't talk about yeah, it. Yeah, fuck you. Social selective, uh, relative, social emotional selectivity theory. Yeah, it's a New York Times uh, article about how you defriend people in real life. It's yeah. not me; it's you. Um, wow. As people get so older, comes back around to Larry David, doesn't it? As people get older, their time is more valuable to them. Well, and who they keep close hold to on, them. It's, it's not that. Also, when they were younger, everyone wants to accumulate friends yeah. because you don't know who you are. And when you're older, you do know right. who you are. Right. And so the people you keep around you uh, are the people that are more in line this, of your, you know, your life. This is very much in line with my own experience recently where I've talked about this before where I'm moving from volume. I'm not dealing with volume anymore in social networks. I'm moving from quantity to quality. Right. You want to have a small group of people that you care about. Yes. But, you know, there's always still the drama. I still get messages occasionally from people going, oh, why would you defriend me? Which is exactly the like, point of the story. Yeah. Uh, how do you defriend someone in real life? Well, so you they, block them. They profile a bunch of people, and most people, it turns out, are just very passive about it. You know, they stop talking to people and or when they engage in conversation. Even their friend, the quote-unquote friend, is very active in engaging you in conversation. You just yeah. don't propose, you know, getting together, hanging out. But what the, the story proposes actually and what relationship experts have recommended is that you actually sit the person down and tell them you are no longer fit for, so to be in them. my life. You have to dump them as a friend. Wow. And th- that gives you I've, – I've seen that done like on a, on a mass level where, someone said, where someone's made a post saying it's time for me to kind of weed, weed back my, my fr- friends list. So apologies to anyone who may get defriended. But it's done kind of like on a macro level, not – Right. Not a one-to-one. Yeah. Well, but this is – You're out. This New York Times thing was Aren't you then like George Clooney like going around like firing people? Like who wants to do that? Yeah. Everyone who's ever changed the world has been been in the position you're in right now. The people they profiled were like – many of them were – suffered emotional trauma because of guilt because the friends who had been very close friends when they were younger but now were just not right for them. See, this whole story though gave me the – this whole story was written as a, hey, it's okay to dump friends that you've had for a long time because you've changed – your focus has changed. Either yeah. they have they've had kids you haven't, or they still are heavy drinkers and going out all the time, and you don't do that anymore. Like the thing is, as you as you grow and decide what yeah. kind of person you want to be, the people you're going to surround yourself are going to change, and some people aren't going to make the cut, and that's yep. just the way it is. Some people just there's no way for them to not take it as a slight. You know, I, I had this conversation with someone recently. I got a message from someone saying, "Why do you take me off your friends list?" I'm like, you know what? As I got older, I, I recently decided I wanted to change the way I use Facebook. I'm using it for different things now, and so some, you know, I've reorganized that part of my life. And sorry, 
Uh, but that's my prerogative. If you'd and like to follow me, you're welcome to. I'm on yeah, Twitter and subscribe Google+. To subscribe. <laughs> subscribe to my updates. Um, but but it, it is very dramatic. Uh, and, and it makes me think more carefully about who I add now. Because once you add someone... That then becomes something you have to uh, you you might want to have to undo later, and there's yeah. no way to no easy way to do well, it. But apparently, if you make your Facebook profile public, uh, then then you can un you can change because the thing about Facebook that used to be is you it was a one to one relationship. I had to say I was friends with you, and you had to say you were friends with me in order for right. us to see each other's stuff. Right now, you can have a more Twitter like one to many relationship, so you can friend them and then immediately unfriend them, and they may never know. Yeah, and I don't even I don't even really unfriend. I, I might unsubs- unsubscribe from their updates so that I'm not seeing their stuff in my feed, but they're not technically unfriended. Well, that's a good that's a good option. Yeah. Um, this was more about real life stuff, though. It was really—I thought it was really interesting. And and part of the part of the part of the story that was that was good was the gaining friends in the twenties, shedding a lot of them in the thirties when you're focused on raising kids, typically, and forties, and then gaining friends again in the fifties when you're looking for things to do after the kids have left. It just happens naturally, doesn't it? Like people, you just find you just wake up one day and you realize you haven't spoken to that person in ten years because you got nothing to talk about. Well, it's a, Patrick, ten years ago, twenty years ago, it was much easier to do that because you were less connected in real life overall right. to people. Now, you know, they can always check your Twitter. Yeah. Oh man, you're going, you went to that event and you didn't call me. That's Why not? the problem when, is that when you are that connected, it so, doesn't, it doesn't atrophy in the same way. No. Cause it's so easy to stay connected. People just keep poking you or whatever. It's like, they won't go away. Well, when, Stop poking me on Facebook. Yeah. When somebody you go to high school, went to high school with is coming to San Francisco, they go to Facebook and say, Oh, who lives in San Francisco? Oh, Gary lives in San Francisco. And, and it may be somebody that you're perfectly fine seeing at a high school reunion 20 years from now. <laughs> but you know, don't want staying in your guest. See that's see that's the thing. I think that your that your real life friends list tends to kind of naturally curate itself. Like the people that you see every day that are in your life every day, you just naturally see them. And then the people that may not be in your life every day, the ones that you care about, you will bother. You will make the effort to stay in touch with. And the ones that you don't, they're not worth that effort. That's fair, and that's fair enough. And so you manage it naturally. But when fa- somebody like Facebook and the internet comes along, it basically makes all people, no matter where they are, equally accessible. Then you start have to you, then you have well, to make the decision. But there, there is the other side of this is that there are friends that I don't see in person very often. But whenever I get an instant message from, it's always a nice moment. Like it's always right. happy. Right. So, you know, I I don't know. It's a it, it's a it's a weird. There's a lot of potential for awkwardness with all the super connectedness we have today. Why should be antisocial? Yeah, I mean, part of the thing is the part of the shedding of friends happens just because I don't like leaving the house. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, look, we've seen people get murdered over relationship status and nonsense like this sort of thing. I mean, it's it's the big big time drama. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Reddit. Okay, that'll do it for us this week. We'll see you next Thursday. Uh, keep watching the uh, amazing test. We'll be making more. Yeah, Lego keep, give, every give us day. more uh, feedback because we you saw are some not subscriptions off of that as well. People actually signed up just to it's watch. It's unclear, but it seems like people are signing up. I saw a few yeah. few people sign up. Yeah, that's good. It's good. We gotta keep the lights on. Uh, see you guys next week. Bye. Coming in in five, four, three. Hey, let's start the show. It's February 2nd, 2012, Groundhog Day. Let's do that again. Oh, my yes, God. Let's. Really? Well, Norm had such a good opener as well. Sorry. I even gave you a, you a dramatic you can't pause. can't fake that enthusiasm a second time. Now, now you, know, you know I'm bored. 
Well, what is it? Welcome. It's going to feel fake now. Oh, my God. It's February 2nd, 2012. This is only a test. The official podcast of test.com. You you need to write write it down down and put it on a sticky. I I, I fuck it up once in four months. Just have a a little. Chandler twice. He bet one piece. Just tape it here. A thing with your intro on it, and just <laughs> go off that every time. Brian will doodle off of it, and, and you can change the change the the date each time. Well, okay. print print out a print out a fresh one every day, every week, and bring it in. Okay, I'm starting the stream back up again.